become who we want to be as individuals. And at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. And the man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. Jordan Love hit me up the night of the draft. You know, just congratulating me, let me know it's time to work. Um, AJ Dillon was open arms. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. Nah. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching, touchdown, untouched. Like, KP does like these flips after every win, and I'm like just waiting for him to do his flip. To know that we still love each other, that's what football brings us. Cross the safety space. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Welcome to the Practice Squad Pod. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. The Detroit Lions are 6-2 and two going into the bye week for, I think, the first time in our lives. So things are going pretty good. Um, Mark, you also just wrapped up uh, your, your high school coaching season uh, with Adams. I don't know if I'm going to give you a, a quick second to, to plug and talk about that real quick. If you have anything you want to say about, uh, you know, this year's group of kids and kind of how the season went. Yeah, I mean, another um, another great year with a great group of uh, young guys. Um you really just cherish those journeys, man. Uh, we obviously came up short of our goal, but uh, had a lot of respect for those kids. We'll be, um, we'll stay in, in touch with those kids forever. And you just learn more and more each year as a coach. And you learn just as much from they from them as you do teaching them. You know what I mean? Like they learn um, only so much from me. I learn a ton from them. So Yeah, this is what, your, your third year full-time coaching? It my, yeah, it was my third year. Okay, so, sweet. So do you feel like you're kind of getting like a brand to it the same way that your dad does, or are you still kind of developing um, that? Part of the yeah, I can. T- I always try to keep learning from there's, – there's always going to be new things I learn, whether it's from, from the kids or from other coaches. Like I'm, I'm always going to pick new stuff up. Um, I think that's the biggest thing in coaching is to always continue to adapt. Like you're never going to have every answer. Um, so you'll always keep learning and you always keep changing depending on – what kind of team you have, what kind of coaches you have around you. So awesome. excited for I, um, this year, but really glad about, really excited about how this year went. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. And, uh, you know, I had a self-interested reason to bring that up as well. Um, the football season's over, and you have a bet that I need to collect on still. And so, um, you know, it's in the ticker, right? Remind Mark to take the ACT. We have not forgotten and uh, next time I will be pulling it up and just scheduling it with you if we have to on air on that's, the podcast. You know, that's, that's fine, man. That's fine. And pertaining to that bet, uh, we're very excited to bring on a, a special guest. Um, he is the editor-in-chief in Pride of Detroit. Um, Mark and I have spent a good time uh, looking at his takes on Twitter. Um, he hates flea flickers, um, which is, is good to know. I would plan on asking him about that as well. <laughs> And also, um, which this is hilarious because we're a Detroit-based podcast, but this is actually our first person within the Lions organization that we're going to be having on. Uh, Khalil slipped away to the Giants, I think, right before we brought him on. So officially, our very first member of of the Lions organization, we're bringing on Jeremy Reisman. Thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing, Jeremy? Um, I'm doing well. I'm I'm, I'm, going to have to go back and watch the Khalil Pimpleton episode, though. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, a good one. Mark and him played ball together, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Just you know, already kind of having that that context and, yeah. and chemistry uh, with the entire situation. And I mean, what a just like smiley, like kind hearted individual yeah. as well. So yeah, um, so we we were kind of talking a little bit before we we uh, aired, but uh, you're getting off a very busy 
48 hours. Uh, you yeah. did Monday night football, which apparently was a very late night, uh, but an exciting game straight to the trade deadline. So, you know, how's this past week treated you? And do you feel like a little bit more rested and relaxed at this point? I'm, I'm getting there to, uh, for sure. And it certainly helps uh, that the Lions are going into the bye with a win rather than uh, having that taste of the Ravens game in their mouth. That helps me too. And because, you know, I, I still kind of, I walk that line of, of you know, beat reporter and, and fan. Um, I, I don't shy away from the fact that I'm still a fan, but I try to remain objective. So um, it's a lot more fun when I'm writing about a six and two team um, th- that rebounded nicely versus a five and three team that that is sliding and panicking and doesn't make a huge move at the trade deadline. Um, like it, it, I, I can sleep a little bit better at night knowing that that the team on the on the other side of this bye week is, is going to still be probably a, a pretty darn good football team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we, we definitely like like kind of shedding light on the personal stories of people that we have on. So, you know, speaking of how fun it is to cover a six and two team, I mean, you've been with the Lions for a lot longer and have seen some dark times uh, yeah. along with, you know, us watching along with you. So, like, what was it kind of like your your kind of journey as a journalist? And then along with that, like, how has it been kind of watching this rebuild take place and kind of being a part of that? And what's been the vibe in the building, you know, year over year when you kind of see these administration changes happen? Yeah, uh, I'll start. I'll try to go as a bridged version of, of my kind of career arc as possible, because it was certainly a non-traditional route. You know, I think I kind of grew up in the in the blog era, just like the blog boom, I guess it was you could say, Um you know, I didn't didn't go to journalism school. I, I got a, a degree at Michigan for uh, psychology. That's kind of where I was headed right out of college. But lines were, were always my passion. I just didn't really have an in. I didn't really think necessarily writing was my my strong skill set. And so um, I just did it on the side for a little bit. Um, the, the site that I run, Pride of Detroit, um, now has always had a fan section where fans can post their own articles, their own theories, their own stat breakdowns, film breakdowns. That's where I got started. Um and and the, the guy who ran the site liked my stuff. He's like, hey, what if you just write for our front page and, and do a little bit there? You know, not getting paid. It was just, again, kind of love of the game thing. But um, I decided after a while, people seem to be liking my things. I'm getting good comments. I'm getting good feedback. Why don't I take this opportunity that I have this platform and just run with it and just, you know, extend, expand my own skill set. So, you know, I started kind of doing stats breakdown. Then I started, you know, building into film breakdowns, diving into the rule books, um, just kind of finding my niche, finding what I was good at, finding what I li- liked writing about. And when the guy stepped down from the site in 2015, he was I was the first guy he recommended. And so at that point, I started to kind of fade away from, from my full-time job and, and started to take it more seriously. And, um, you know, three years after that, we, we became a credentialed site with the team, fully credentialed. And then, you know, I was in California at the time, so I moved back to Detroit and it was suddenly like, all right, this is it. Like, this is the job that I, I think that I want. I think it's the job that I can succeed at and just kind of continued to build from there and, and, and build my skill set. That's always been to me the key because um, you mentioned it as, as a coach, you're always learning. You have yeah. to do that as a, as a sports writer too, because I think fans are getting smarter. Fans are starting to understand the salary cap more. So you have to understand the salary cap more. Fans are starting to see all 22 films. So you got to start learning scheme a little bit. Um, as the fans grow smarter, you have to stay one step ahead of them, or they're going to be like, "I know, but I know more than this guy. I'm not going to. I'm not going to read his stuff." And and it makes it really difficult and challenging, but a lot of fun because you you just you go further and further down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah. So I mean, we're we're only a year into this, and so you know, talking about you know potentially having that day job and then doubling down on what you're truly passionate about and trying yeah. to make you know that the main thing. Like, 
you know, was that scary? And did, you know, do you want to talk at all about, you know, potential, you talk about being smarter, having to be smarter than the fans and understand the game better than the fans. Like, I guess maybe the imposter syndrome that kind of forced you to, you know, like sprint towards, you know, getting as good as what you do as quickly as possible. Yeah. All, all, all of the above there. Yeah. You you definitely have imposter. I mean, I still to this day have a lot of imposter syndrome talking. it, It can be an incredibly intimidating just talking to a, a, a an athlete, talking to an NFL player, because I, I recognize that there is a huge cavern of knowledge in between me and him in terms of when, I, you know, we're watching the same football play. He can tell you 50 different things that I don't even notice happening on a play. And so um, it, it's tough. It's hard. And um, yeah, it's 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 one of the more challenging things about the job. And, and yeah, that that leap into doing this full time. Luckily, I have a very solid you know, support base. My, my family has always been very supportive of, of whatever, I, whatever I do. Um, you know, I, I, I had a fair amount of money saved up. So, you know, I, in a lot of ways, I, I was very fortunate. I was very lucky. Um, and, and I like to think that I made the most of my opportunities, but I also recognize that I had some things that maybe some other people wouldn't be able to do what I was able to do. So it's, it's a mixture of, of, you know, luck and, and, and making sure that you don't put that luck to waste. And that's what I tried to do. It's awesome to see. It's awesome to see you know you chasing a passion and living it out. I, I want to ask where that passion for the Detroit Lions comes from. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Michigan. Uh, I had season tickets growing up with, with my my dad was the one who kind of instilled the fandom in me. Like I saw the crazy passion that he had in the game. You know, he was the guy who um, was in the stadium, had the headphones on, listening to the radio <laughs> broadcast because he was that into it. And he was also so into the game that I saw him smash a couple of those radios <laughs> in in the Pontiac Silverdome and. Uh, I think just seeing him be so like excited and passionate about something um, was exciting to me. I, was, I want I want to be so enthralled with with something that that let me dig deeper and see what this is all about. And uh, of course, watching Barry Sanders on a weekly basis certainly helped a lot. Um, as as a short kid growing up, he was you know just my idol. Um, of course, I never had any of the athletic skills that he did, but um, seeing that, seeing my dad have that passion and just going to every game, I think every every other Sunday was just. An, an easy way for, for me to fall in love with the game. And, and it, it only can, and, and again, like that vast rabbit hole that you can go down when it comes to football in, in terms of schematics, in terms of rule book, in terms of, you know, cap capology, all that sort of stuff has made it so that it never feels stale to me. It feels like there's, you're always digging, you're always learning something new. And that, that has made, I think my love of football just grow deeper and deeper. And like over the years, um, you know, how have you kind of approached like, interacting with players in that context because like you know i watch basically all of the the like locker room press conferences that Mm -hmm. they do and things like that and i do think they appreciate it when you ask like you know i guess a a schematically wise question or like a high football iq question like have, Mm -hmm. have you kind of had to like bolster up your confidence to like be like you know what like this one's for the football nerds. I don't really <laughs> care. Like, you know, and then just go ahead and ask those or, or do you try to keep it, you know, kind of like nice and basic and, and, you know, just kind of standard rotation of, of questions that you have I, in that pocket. Yeah. I think you have to pick and choose. Honestly, you have to pick and choose the person uh, because Matthew Stafford was actually a guy who, who loved that. He, I mean, he hated talking to the media, not, he was always respectful, but you could tell like he wasn't into it. He'd get tired of answering similar questions. But if you're like, Hey, on that, on the, and I remember asking this one. There was this one play where the the Lions ran four verts, and all of them were open. And I would just ask him, like, "Have you ever run a play like that where all four of your options were open?" And you you could see him light up a little bit. He's like, 
that's fun. Let me talk about that. And and if he gets the opportunity to talk about a past play, you know, that that's the kind of guy that has like a photogenic memory. And and so I think that you light up, you, you get a really good answer when you do something like that. putting in that little extra effort of like digging into a specific play. I think that's, that's kind of a really good Avenue for players. If you can point out, Hey, that play in the third quarter where you did this, what did you see? And that way you're not like, you're not saying, why didn't you do this? You're, you're letting, you're giving him the opportunity to give you all the information rather than saying like, here's what I know. Um, because sometimes I think that, that can put you in a vulnerable position. I, I can give another great example. Um, Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator. Uh, I asked him three weeks into the season. I said something like, you guys are running a, a, a lot more zone this year. Um, that was you. That's right. Yeah, that was me. And he, he's like, are we? Are you sure? And I, like, I didn't know how to answer it, but like, I, I, I'm, what am I going to do? Turn my computer around and say, well, this site says you are. And, and you know, um, it, you have to pick and choose your battles. You have to pick and choose. That, that's really the, the big challenge of, of the job, especially when it comes to interviews, press conferences. You have to know your audience. You have to know what sort of questions they're going to want to answer and what sort of questions they aren't going to want to answer. It doesn't mean don't ask questions that they're not going to want to answer. You, you want to do that. But what I've learned in my you know six, seven, eight years inside the building is that you have to be very careful with how you phrase questions. That That is the absolute key because you can two people can ask the exact same question, but in different ways. One might get an answer and one might not get an answer. And so that the art of question asking is, is something that's really, you know, I, I, that's something that I think you really just have to be on the job and, and observe. And that's what I that's what I've done. And, and I think it's helped with my imposter syndrome being, you know, side to side with guys in traditional newspapers who've grew up doing prep sports and, 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 and all that. Um, it, it's really helped me grow um, as, as a question ask, asker. Yeah, yeah sure. You, Mark, you, Mark you, uh, really quick before your question, uh, AG seems very scary to interview. That's just, that's yeah. all I'm going to say is every single time I watch him in a press conference, there is like so much focus and mm -hmm. like just the most deliberate answers to his questions. I was like, I would not want to be asking that guy questions there's, every time. There's like, kind of a growing theory in in the, the press box or the press room there that after bad games, he's actually very good when the Lions defense like is really good he gets more testy and I, I don't know if that's like a you know don't stay complacent type of thing yeah. or, or or whatever it is but it it's it's scary Bizarre. consistent um and and so next time you know <laughs> if the Lions have a really good uh game defensively check check in on Aaron Glenn's next presser and see how it looks um that's fun you mentioned uh you mentioned the all 22 film and how fans are getting smarter and how it's kind of changing the journalism side of things, right? Uh, we're big fans of the All-22 film on this podcast. I do uh, a lot of different film breakdowns, a lot of um, explanation behind the scenes of some of the stuff, some of the knowledge I picked up when I was playing. Um, how has that been, having that more easily accessible for you? Um, obviously, you learn a shit ton more from that, but also yeah. just like being able to use that, like you said, to ask some of these questions that most fans wouldn't think to ask. Um, but when they hear an answer, it, it's like it opens your eyes like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. Yeah, no, I mean, watching all 22, you're you're watching a game that you don't see on the broadcast. You're, you're, you're essentially watching an entire different football game that you weren't watching if you were watching at home. And obviously, if you're at the game, you can see it. And in and, and the press box, you have a pretty good angle that I, I would say resembles an all 22. But um, yeah, it's 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 so much of the game that goes unseen um, to me. And, and to me, I. I just having it more out there on Twitter and, and people on YouTube breaking down film that makes me a better viewer of the game as well. And, and, and 
helps me understand because I think just having the film itself available doesn't necessarily necessarily help you discern what you're seeing. Um, Again, it's, it's sitting with a football player that that can see a million different things, watching the same videos. You, you have to start that. I love that there are so many former players that, that are breaking down films on YouTube or, you know, whether it's Dan Orlowski and, and, and all of his Twitter clips or, um, gosh, Ballinger, it was Ryan JT Ballinger. Does Ball, really yeah. Good. Ballinger does all the, I think JT O'Sullivan has a YouTube channel. That's yeah. really good. This is great. It's yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's that sort of stuff is so valuable to me too, because it's just having the film in front of you. Sure. You, you get to see a lot of things that you didn't see, but understanding what you see is, is so different and it's a, a big leap. And I make mistakes all the time. I have to say like, you know, I'll, I'll put a clip out on Twitter and Hey, look at this guy doing this. That was interesting. And you know, someone be like, that happens all the time. You know, that's, that's exactly what he should. Everyone does that. And, and it's a learning experience. And yeah. um, you, you have to, you have to learn to take some on the chin sometimes because you're going to be wrong. And, and um, you have to develop some thick skin in this business, especially when you're on Twitter 24 seven. But um, you, again, uh, the, the process of, of growing and, and learning more about football is just, to me, I have an insatiable hunger for that sort of stuff. So um, I'll, I'll gladly take lumps along the way. Yeah, I've, I, I think one of the best things I heard, like, I think it was Peyton Manning or Eli uh, on one of their broadcasts said the best like tell of a team is when you turn off the broadcast, you don't hear anybody talking. It's all 22 film in a dark room and you just press play. And you yeah. see, he's like, that is the truest tell of what a team's like, of how good or bad they are of there's like of what, how does that talk to you when there's no one talking to you and you're just watching all 22s like that is how you can actually identify a team's potential where they're at how good or bad they are he's like that's the best way to do it and yeah. i thought that was interesting you know yeah yeah um and you know on that note too like i mean uh, twitter i feel like even with a very successful team and a passionate fan base i get that but it can be scary like that I think like football is one of those sports where like everyone's so passionate and they all think they're geniuses. And then like the, the responses that, you know, I see on your tweets, the comments that we get sometimes, like, you know, Mark has been basically playing football since the, the day he was born more or less. And there are still people that I think will, you know, like act like know-it-alls and, and challenge, you know, what your credentials are. And that's definitely tough to push through. Um, And on that note, like, you know, you've seen, like I said, a lot darker days with the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Like, what has it been like, you know, again, the difference in in how approachable coaches and players are, yeah. you know, five years ago versus today and the interaction that you have with fans. Like, do you want to talk about, you know, kind of, I assume that it's mostly positives, but the pros and cons of, you know, kind of being a more under the radar you know, under 500 team versus now, like, you know, they were chanting Super Bowl during Jameer Gibbs' uh, <laughs> um, America's sweetheart. You know, America's yeah, sweetheart. like, like yeah. everybody loves the Lions, you know, and yeah. uh, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about that that transformation over the past few years. Yeah, and, and it's not even just a win-loss transformation, too. I don't think you could have gone from two more different um, regimes, right? You go from Matt Patricia, a very locked-down kind of adversarial relationship with the media and... um you know, just just someone who wouldn't divulge much information, didn't have a lot of interest in, in growing his relationship with the media necessarily and and ran a team in a very different way than, than Dan Campbell does going to and then going to Dan Campbell, who is just always his authentic self, will will probably say more than he should in front of a podium and will just be one of the nicest, most genuine people you'll ever meet. Um, that that to me is maybe almost more of a culture shock than just dealing with a team that has consistently been either third or fourth in the NFC North suddenly, you know, six weeks into the season are the NFC 
favorites and NFC North favorites and, and maybe even NFC North locks at this point. Um, that That's crazy, no doubt. But um, it it is it is crazy to me. It, it and it all it all starts with Dan Campbell. Like Detroit is is Dan Campbell's city right now. It people are, are obsessed with him. Watching him, you know, cry in in interviews before Monday Night Football just because he has so much respect for the the you know the first two years, the players on the first two years of this team that went three thirteen and one and 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 you know nine and eight, but started one and six. All those players that that worked their tails off. Um, but weren't as, as as he said, like they they weren't talented enough. But he he respects so much of what they did because he views what they did as as what his entire NFL career was, which was a blocking tight end, probably about an average one, but worked his ass off, played over ten years in this league, and and made sure he he never let his teammates down. That's what he wanted to fill the team with. That's what he did fill the team with early. And now that they have the draft capital, now that all that sort of stuff is turning around, and and the talent's getting better. You have all of those guys who work their ass off plus guys that work their ass off and are super talented. And um, it's, it's fascinating to see. And it doesn't always happen as suddenly as I think it did in Detroit, right? Because you go three 13 and one, you go one and six, even halfway through that second year, a lot of people were like, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about this plan. I don't, it's just not working. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was guilty. To, I, I lost yeah. my mind after the Patriots yeah. game, after so they get skunked I. by so the Patriots, yeah. a, a game that meant a lot to fans, I think because of what happened with Matt Patricia. Um, but then like sudden, you know, right. you, you, you go eight and two down the stretch. You start six and two this year. Um, that's, I mean, 14 and four. That's, that's unheard of in Detroit. It's exactly. absolutely unheard of in Detroit. And so, um, I'm, I'm kind of going on tangents here, but uh, I think it, it just speaks to how drastic of a sudden change all of this was. And it's it's night and day, man. It's it's so much fun. We've had fun in, in previous years covering this team, you know, like the, the 2014 season, um, the, the, the 2016 t- season with all the crazy comebacks with, from Matthew Stafford, things like that. They're fun. But this is this is different, man. This is this is going It is one of the goals that, that you heard during hard knocks. Now we're going into games with the expectation to win. And that's like suddenly you have to. You have it's to. It's never been a thing here. Right, it's never. never been a thing in Detroit. You have to suddenly realize that you can still enjoy these games, even though like you beat the Raiders. It was only a twelve point win. You can still enjoy that, even though that that was the expectation. You you have to make sure you don't get jaded and and forget, you know how many years we we've gone, um, just with the expectation to lose with with playoffs, you know. At this point in the season, how how many seasons out of the last twenty have there been? Like, all right, well, let's let's start circling mock drafts and things like that. Right. Like, I haven't I haven't looked at a mock draft <laughs> since since the last draft, and and I couldn't be happier for that. Yeah. <laughs> Is it even a Dan Campbell interview if he doesn't get choked up at this point? I mean, I feel right. like every time he he gets all yeah. like he gets into this zone. Um, that's yeah. fun. Do you have a favorite? Uh, Lions player that you've interviewed over the last couple of years or like a single interview that just stood out? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I mean, I've, I've been blessed enough to, to interview Barry Sanders one-on-one. I think Lomas Brown is one of the most genuine, nice human beings. And, and I love talking to him anytime I get the opportunity. Glover Quinn to me, what both as a player and now kind of as a Lions analyst, he's got his own Lions podcast and all that sort of stuff. He was my favorite guy to interview in the locker room. Because he he would do the thing that that a lot of players do now, where they say, uh, you know, we get locker room Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'll meet you one of those days. Leave me alone the other two. 
totally respect that. But the thing is, when you talk to him, you would get the entire 45 minutes of locker room availability. You could sit there and talk ball for him 45 minutes. He'd answer anything. He'd answer the, the you know, the, the hot button issues. He'd answer the, the stuff that, that people are going to try to draw headlines for him. But you want to sit there and talk ball for him for 45 minutes. He'll, he'll answer anything. And I have so much respect for people who do that because I think sometimes there are players and I'm not trying to generalize here because I think you'll find a, a ton of different players with a ton of different viewpoints. But I think a, a lot of players view journalists as kind of like, they don't know what they're talking about. Why would I talk ball with them? Like they're an idiot where others, I think see the opportunity to inform. And I think that that makes the journalist better. I think that makes the public better. If you explain, you know, why you did this, why this guy was open, whatever that, that benefits everybody. It, it, if, if you, if everyone thinks you made a mistake and you sat down with a journalist and explained why it wasn't your fault, it's better for you. It's better for us because we learn the game better. And and he was the kind of guy that, that would step out and, and do those sort of things. He would never throw someone under the bus or anything like that, but he, he definitely helped me learn the game better. And he continues to do so with his, you know, his excellent podcast. He'll, he'll, you know, reach out to a guy like him and, and he'll almost certainly want to talk because he's, he's just a guy that, that understands the game there. I think. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's and that's really cool that he, you know, continues to to go from being a player to then, you know, priding himself and taking part in um, the information yeah. side of it, too. That's that's awesome. Um, all right. So quirky thing. Uh, you consider yourself an expert on the NFL rule book. What are some <laughs> NFL rules that nobody really knows about? Do you have a favorite quirky Ooh. NFL rule? Man, I, that's oh boy, that's a good question. You blindsided me here with that one. <laughs> I, I think. Oh man. The thing is like when the, the, the infamous 10 second runoff thing happened with the Lions Falcons game way back when, when golden Tate was tackled, um, (laughs) it's originally called a a, a touchdown, but upon review, he was short uh, and the Lions didn't have a timeout left. I think now everyone knows that comes with a 10 second runoff, but no one at the time did. And I was, I was tweeting. I'm like the gate guys, this game is over when, when I'm seeing replays, I'm like, they're about to come out and say this game is over because that's going to get overturned. And because, a challenge or, you know, a replace technically stop the clock. They're going to have to do a 10 second runoff. And so I don't know, again, I think the, the information gap is, is, is starting to close in. So I don't know if there's that many people who, who don't know specific rules anymore, but I just remember being ahead of that one and, and just losing my mind at home and be like, I can't believe this is about to happen. And then it was a part of the intro flea flickers. What's the beef? (laughs) I, here's the thing. I just think in the NFL, it's a bad play. I think it, the traditional flea flicker, it requires so much to work well that I just don't think works well in the NFL. It requires a heck of a lot of pass protection, right? You, that That's a play that takes three, four, five seconds to develop, and it requires over-aggressive safeties, and I just don't think that happens so much in the NFL anymore. I think, I think they're disciplined. I think there's so much of a do-your-own-job attitude in the NFL that that sort of play fake doesn't work as effectively. Now, now we're starting to see coaches, you know, mix it up, throw, make it a reverse flea flicker, those sort of things I'm okay with. And and to be clear, the official policy is run it in college all you want. Those kids don't know what they're doing out there. <laughs> um, That's true. But in, in the pros, in high school too. I, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> and 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 understandably so. These guys aren't. It's not their full time jobs. They're not. Yeah. You know. Obviously, I don't want to say they, they're not working hard in college because college is, is, is a grind when you have to fit school and all that sort of stuff. But um, there's only so much film review you can do. There's only like it's an entire industry in the NFL to know film and, and know tendencies and things like that. And so I just 
I think you have to be a little bit more creative than just the standard hand the ball off. He'll toss it back to you. Flea flickers. I, I, I don't, I think it's wasted down in the NFL these days. You, you kind of get the same effect as doing a normal, like hard play action. Right. I mean, if the safety's exactly. going to come down, they're going to come down with the true, like some of these quarterbacks do such a good job. And you saw yes. the hard knocks uh, this year, the jets, they yep. were literally showing and pausing the clip of Aaron Rodgers doing play action and saying, guess which clip he actually hands this off and guess which one he doesn't. And right. that's how they were teaching Zach Wilson. Some of these younger guys, like, you can be just as effective without actually getting a flea flicker if you right. just do a good enough fake, right? Um, which I thought was interesting. And it probably takes um, half the time to to cork to uncork it, right? Right. Yeah. Half, yeah. You don't have to worry about taking a sack. There was Howdy. one. Sorry, there was ahead, one Mark. rule, John, that I I want to ask him about because I didn't know this was a thing. I don't know if this is an NFL thing. Mm. The the free kick. If you yeah. fair catch a punt, so yes. I saw a high school team yep. won a game. John, if you did, you see the clip of this? No. So a high school team. Apparently, and I had no idea. Again, I've been around football my whole life. Never heard of this. If you yeah, fair yeah. catch a punt, yep, uh, and you're in, and you want to attempt a field goal, with, like using like a kickoff, like a, it's a, no one can block it. It's a free kick. Right. You can try to do that. Uh, if you miss it, you give away possession of the ball. But if you make it, you get three points. And the, the team wait, can't the, block the it. returner. You're saying can if just, the returner fair no, no, catches no. a punt. He doesn't have to kick it. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, okay. just a, it's a punt. You fair catch a punt anywhere on the field. You put the ball down there. I think you get. I don't know if it's on a tee or if someone has to tee it up. I think you can tee it, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's basically just a, just a kickoff goal. attempt. But if you kick the ball through the uprights as if it were a field goal, and again, the, de- the defense has to stay in there and watch. They cannot try to block yeah. it. You get three points. Like a team, fair caught it. There was like three seconds left on the clock. Instead of doing a Hail Mary, they were down like one. Instead of doing a Hail Mary, they did a free kick. The kid made it from a, you know, 40, <laughs> 48 yards out. Because he did a kickoff. I mean, right. as long as you kick it straight, you have a decent chance of it going through distance-wise. Uh, and he made it, and they stormed the field and won. The- I had never seen that. I was like, "What is this rule?" Yeah, is this no, it, the NFL rule book. It's in it's, the it's, it. It absolutely is. And I know there there are a bunch of like rule book nerds out there that are, that are just waiting for a game to be decided. Oh my god! And everyone to lose. Has their it minds. ever happened? I I don't think it's ever. I think it's been attempted at some point, but I don't think any time recently, which is, it's a great example of, of a rule that not a lot of people know about. Um, gosh, is there's something with the two point conversion too. I think like, is the return of a two point conversion is worth one point or two points. I, I think it's worth see, two. I think still. it's worth two. Yeah, it's, it's, worth it's, two the, yeah. it's the amount of like potential points. That right. That makes be sense. earned on the player. Yeah. Like that. Um, how about the the worst rule in football? Do you have any fixes to that or whatever? <laughs> are you are we talking about the fumble out of the end zone one? Fumble out of the end zone. Yes. I I don't hate it. I know I know a lot of people hate it. And and listen, I'm a Lions fan. I should hate it. The Calvin Johnson, you know, oh fumble in Seattle. I was at that game as a fan. Uh that that one has deep scars on me, but for some reason I I understand why everyone hates it because it's it's weird to have completely different rules in the end zone than everywhere else on the field. Um but I, I kind of just like having higher stakes in, in the red zone. I kind of like having, a, you know, an emphasis on ball security in the red zone. Um, it, it makes everything a little bit more exciting, a little bit. The stakes are higher, obviously, at every point in the in, on the field when you get down there. And so I kind of I kind of OK with that one. To me, my biggest rule change is we, we got to move back to 15 yards on pass interference. It is just too hard, too hard of a call to make live. And we tried to make it reviewable. You can't do that either essentially 
I just think we have to accept that officials are going to make a ton of mistakes when it comes to pass interference. So the best way yeah. to mitigate that is to make it not hurt as much. I mean, a spot fouls so many yards. Like it's <laughs> so such ridiculous. a quick play that happens. And a lot of times right. it's so tough. Well, uh, and an underthrown pass adds yeah. so yeah. much leverage. It, I mean, it's right. become like one of the yeah. best offensive plays in football. It's taking right. a shot down the field. And if you, worst case scenario, you get a PI because the receiver can yeah. see where the ball is and the DB has to react to it. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah, it's it's um, absolutely painful. Um, but I mean, uh, I, had, I had one other question for you. Um, oh, well, really quick, I wanted to add context to this entire ACT discussion. Um, and then okay. it's gonna it's gonna. So what happened was Mark and I <laughs> made a bet ending, last year. I feel like I feel like he'd appreciate it. We made a bet last year on whether or not the Lions would be under or over six wins. Six and a half. Six and a half. Who's counting? Who's counting? Yeah. They were one and six, and off the <laughs> heels of that Patriots loss, I had fully accepted my fate at that. Yeah, point. yeah. And then they they turned it around, obviously, and and you know all of the shit talk that went on for the first seven weeks. I was I was finally on the other side of it. It was great. Um, my question is, do you think you would also be taking the ACT right now if you had to make the same bet, or were you more optimistic than that going into the season? Ooh, that's a good question because I I think I tend to be the opposite of what. Lions fans are in the moment in general that that's not always true but like when they started slow in the first year I think you know they were oh they probably were oh seven oh and seven or something and I was like this team is still gonna win four games I w- I was confident like they were coming close enough they end up winning three and, and tying one so I, I missed that one by a half I don't know if I was that optimistic still when they were at one and six, um, like, like I said, like that, that Patriots game scarred me in ways I didn't think was still capable. I think I leveled myself out, especially, you know, when I have to be more professional when I'm in the press box and things like that. And I, w- I wasn't at the press box for that game. Most away games, I'm still at home, but um, yeah, I, I just remember going off in the post game, po- you know, podcast, like th- this sort of stuff can't happen anymore. You're, 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 you're competitive in all these games, but a, a bad Patriots team, Bailey Zappi, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, you know, it, it that that game was particularly tough and you know six wins i, I don't think i would have picked and, them to do that and their defense i think <laughs> like literally the defense was so injured by the end yeah. of that game that they had yeah. rodrigo out like playing corner or something because like <laughs> yeah. they were out of healthy yeah. corners to put in the yeah. game and i know campbell just walked in and was like rock bottom see you next yeah. week and like that yeah. was it um but uh and then the other question i have for you um because I, I know you kind of have a nuanced take on this is um, I think Brad Holmes has done an amazing job drafting. Mm-hmm. So, like he he has done, and I think Lions fans take for granted just how good he has been for us versus you know previous regimes. But this year, there's been a little bit more of a tug of war as far as like was this a good draft? Was this not a good draft? Did we pick the right guys? I personally think you have four rookie starters. Like that's a win, but other people have different perspectives. What was your perspective on this draft? And has that perspective changed as we've gotten eight weeks into the season? Um, Maybe a little bit. I, I don't want to waver too much because it's still super early in all these guys' careers. Like you never want to dra- judge really a draft class until at least after two years in their career, I would say. So I wouldn't jump to conclusions one way or the, the other. I, I do tend to generally fall on analytics side. So I definitely raised a couple eyebrows when, when they go and draft a running back 12th overall, and they follow that up with an off ball linebacker. Um, I've, I've grown to accept a little bit more the, the drafting of Jameer Gibbs um, because they are going to use him in so many different ways there. I mean, if they're going to use him as, you know, in the Alvin Kamara role, which I think is absolutely what they're going to do, especially since Dan Campbell came from the saints. Um, 
that makes more sense. You're, you're getting a half receiver, half running back, and, and no one bats an eye at drafting a receiver that high. Um, the the off-ball linebacker one is, is tough for me, though, because, um, one, it wasn't a huge area of need for the Lions, and the Lions even admitted it wasn't a huge area of need. I kind of tend to believe that you're either a generally middle-of-the-pack linebacker or I, I would say, like, 80 to 90% of people fall in the kind of middle-of-the-pack linebackers where you have, like, 10% that are elite, like these these extreme game changer guys maybe jack campbell proves to be that guy and if he is they're so rare that maybe it, it turns out it's worth the first round pick um but i think maybe some of it is you know the lions have drafted some some linebackers high in the past and it hasn't gone well um and and again like i, I you know he's not he's not even starting right now and that again that's fine if Derek barnes is, is playing his ass off and he is that's a great problem to have now you have jack campbell as depth that's i'm okay with that in year one we don't we you I think that some people look at this draft and they assume that the Lions made a specific strategy to get players that contribute that can contribute now because they they're striking while the iron's hot, which I think is is just been disproven by the fact that the Lions didn't go all in at the trade deadline. Um, but yeah, I think I think they just they the the thing that I both admire about the organization and sometimes have to scratch my head a little bit about is that they are so in on just their guys, their culture guys, those guys that that buy in, that work their ass off, like we were saying before, those guys that are going to make Dan Campbell cry in four years when they're gone. Um, those are the guys. There's there's such a focus on that that sometimes I wonder if they're sacrificing talent. Sometimes I wonder if they're sacrificing, um, you know, positional value things like that because they get so honed in on their guys. Um, it, it's a proven strategy so far though, right? We're, we're two and a half years into Brad Holmes's tenure here as general manager. And, and it's, it's working more often than it's not. And, and maybe that's going to have me kind of reconsider where, where I am. I, I think this regime has had me reconsider a lot of things. You know, I, I, when, when, when lines hired Dan Campbell and, and everyone's just like culture, 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 culture. I'm like, I've heard that before, you know, the Patriots culture I've heard, you know, be a player's coach, be an authoritarian type. I've heard it all. It doesn't make sense. I, I, I think if you just win, no one cares. I've done a 180 on that. I've seen I've seen what an, a work environment looks like under a authoritarian type. And I've seen what it looks like under a very harmonious, no egos in the building type of thing. And, and remember, the Lions were 3-13-1 and one and 1-6. One and, and they still seemed way more of a functional organization than during the dark Patricia years. And I think that's really where, where it clicked with me is like, okay, they still might turn this thing around. And if they do, it all makes sense. And, and yeah. so culture to me made a lot of sense. And so maybe, maybe my opinion of the draft is going to change a little bit. Um, once, once this thing sees it, it, its way out, but it, I do have some questions. I think, I think you may look down the line and, and say, well, they could have gotten this corner here. Or they could have gotten this defensive lineman here. And um, again, we're, we're I, I think, a little bit too often we we try to min max here where it's like if you didn't get the the highest possible value of this pick if you, if you didn't get the the best contributor at this pick it's a failed pick there's a middle ground there it's not it's not a pass fail type of situation with each pick but um yeah i guess you said i had a nuanced take i i'm not, I'm not giving you a straight answer there <laughs> but uh but yeah it, it's it, it was a head scratcher for sure and um the fact that they they've gotten you know, solid con contributions really, like you said, out of, out of those top four guys um, has certainly quieted a lot of people. I have a, I have a question about the near future of the Detroit Lions. Obviously mm -hmm. a lot of um, hype, a lot of excitement going on heading into a bye week 
I don't think many people thought we'd be here sitting at six and two, uh, definitely flirting with a, a one seed or a two seed um, in the NFC. Yeah. If we're able to get one, do you think how reasonable do you think it is that we can get the one seed overall in the NFC? And two, if we do get that, how difficult is the path going to be to the Super Bowl coming through Detroit? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, I think. I, I can't even imagine what Ford Field is going to look like uh, in a home playoff game because it quite literally has never happened uh, outside of it, a Lions playoff game has never happened at Ford Field. Uh, the Super Bowl has, but um, yeah, it, I, I imagine that's going to be a really, really tough play to play. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine any quarterback being able to hear a single play during that entire game. Um, in terms of the likelihood of a one seed, I, you know, if, if I were like to power rank these teams, I do think the lines are probably behind the Eagles and, and, and probably the Seahawks, maybe right along the lines of the 49ers. So I'd probably have them two or three or maybe four in, in the, in the conference. But, you know, if you want to play the schedule game, the yeah, Lions, I would say that. have a top three easiest schedule while the Eagles have one of the toughest schedules and, 49ers you know, have a tough schedule. 40, yeah, I mean, they have to play the 40, uh, the 49ers and Seahawks have to play each other twice still. So, yeah. um, you know, they can take each other down a peg. So, like, it's it's not completely unrealistic, I would say, for the Lions to go something like, you know, w- w- they're six and so, like, seven and two down the stretch. Yeah. You know, be a 13 and 14. All, they're favored in all but two games. Yeah. Uh, moving forward. Right. And, and, you know, those, I think, I don't think those games are out of reach. No, Dallas and, and uh, the Chargers, Chargers probably yeah. games where we're underdogs. But again, it, those are teams that I've seen the Lions beat even on bad years. And it, I mean, any given Sunday, you know, you steal one of those games. All of a sudden you're looking at 14 or, you know, 13 or 14 wins. I, I do. Th- I do think that the team still has a lot to prove, right? That they've, you know, you look at the teams that they've beat up on and none of them are, are necessarily world beaters outside of the, the Chiefs in opening week. And we can we can have the asterisk talk if, if the asterisk conversation if we want but um you, you win on the road in, in opening day against Patrick Mahomes I think that's a pretty good mark on your record um but yeah like the, they're, they're gonna have to prove themselves whether who knows if they're gonna really get the opportunity in, in the regular season because the Chargers are kind of a team that you don't know what team you're gonna get every single week and and who knows where, where the Cowboys are gonna be at in week 15 or wherever that is but um yeah you only play the teams that are in front of you I think 13 and four is, is an absolutely within the reach record. Maybe, maybe even a little bit better. Um, it, it, it's hard to sit here and wow. tell you like, Oh, the, the lines could go eight and one down the stretch. Like I don't feel comfortable saying those words out loud, <laughs> but at the same time, it's probably true. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it's possible for that to happen. Even if I don't think the lines are necessarily a, a, a top one or two team in the, in the conference right now. Sure. We, uh, I think we have one question left for you and hopefully you've thought that we've asked a a decent amount of of unique and insightful questions, but now I got to ask one of the most generic ones that exist out there. (laughs) Do you have a favorite Dan Campbell moment in the three years that you've been in the building with him? Um, man, there, there are so many good ones, obviously. And and some that have become iconic already. I think, I think my favorite one and, and unsurprisingly it's, it's a crying Dan Campbell moment. Um, it was, it was the, one of the intro videos that they, they put together for him. It was when he stepped out on the Lions practice field for the first time since he was there as a, as a player. Cause he, he spent one year with the Lions as a player. And that's when he broke down. That's when he's just like the emotions of him coming back to Detroit, 
a, a place that he knew loved football so much, a place that, like you said, he told his agent he wanted to, he wanted that job so bad. And so for him to step into that building and for it to mean so much, just to step on the same turf that he did 15 years before as a player, I mean, that, that, if that wasn't a sign that that, that guy was going to give it at all, that, that, that he was going to turn this thing around, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm literally getting chills just thinking of the moment because it, it's, it's such a perfect example of, of who he is as a person. And, and in the moment, you don't know that. You don't know if he's being genuine. You don't know if he's playing it up for the camera. Um, but, you know, now that we're two and a half years into his, his reign, you, you know, that, that is who Dan Campbell is. That was a genuine moment and, and I think a perfect kind of encapsulation of who he is as a person. He's like the best, like crying interview guy. <laughs> he really is. But he, like, I'm surprised, like the Jordan meme hasn't been like a Dan Campbell crying meme. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, he's so genuine, and you know, being a musician too, just all the Metallica talk. Honestly, <laughs> like, I, I can't lie, it gets me fired up just even listening to him. Being, I just like, want to yeah. lift weights with him one time. I know. I know. Oh I, would, uh, I would cut off an arm to just yeah. to get an early morning pump with Dan Campbell. Yeah, exactly. With, uh, <laughs> you know, two, two venti coffees in and Metallica yeah. blaring. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> be immaculate so uh jeremy thanks so much for coming on this this was a lot of fun and uh yeah. we really appreciate you taking the time to chat and uh good luck with the rest of the season and hopefully uh we're in for you know just as wild of a ride as it's been for these first eight weeks here yeah no doubt i've, I've been having a lot of fun and, and i had fun talking to you guys so appreciate you having me of course yeah and get some rest too it sounds like you've had a crazy <laughs> I, few days so. i will try <laughs> see ya but take care awesome chat um and, you know, that, that ran a little bit longer uh, than our interviews usually do, but I think there was, there was plenty to talk about, and that's why. And now, unfortunately, there's, there's plenty to talk about with the rest of what's happening in the NFL at the moment. Um, so, and, and really beyond, and college. So where do we want to start? Welcome Mark, to mid-NFL wanna... college football season. Yeah, baby. Football. Let's Welcome go. to the middle of the road. Um, I want to start with the college football playoff. Um. They came out with their, you know, obviously these numbers shake up every single week. They start, once you get to mid-season form, every week they'll put out their one through four, who would play who if the playoffs started this weekend, this is what the case would be. First two out, all that. Um, it was interesting to see at, at Ohio State at one. Um, I think that their win over Notre Dame is pretty notable. Um, I think you have to give them, in terms of strength of schedule, it matters right now, and especially in the playoffs when there's undefeated teams and there's four teams that are all sitting there undefeated, you have to look at who they beat. So the fact that they gave Ohio State one, I have some questions about that, but, you know, probably would have changed that up. Um, I think Georgia, until someone beats them, has to stay at the top. I know their schedule hasn't been as strong, but, I mean, they're yeah, back to that champs. Uh, Michigan at three, and then Florida State at four are your four teams that we're in. I would honestly have Florida State uh, ahead of Michigan. Michigan doesn't really have any notable wins at this point. Once they beat Penn State or Ohio State, and once they've done that whole thing, I think you put Michigan up at one or two but they haven't really played anybody. Um, and then obviously you have Oregon and Washington kind of sitting there flirting at the five and six right now. Um, and both those teams obviously are definitely far from out of it. So I think that it was interesting to see those, those four, John, do you have any issues with Ohio state being at one? I mean, yeah. Cause I, I, I'm in line with your argument, right? Like I don't totally feel like they've beat anybody. And I think anytime that they've played like, you know, maybe not competition at their level, but, you know, in the same ballpark, it's been a really close, uncomfortable game for them. And I think that makes you question how they will, will fare against a Georgia, a Michigan, or a Florida State, or, you know, even some of those teams that are, you know, in the hunt five, six, seven, eight teams. right now. 
yeah. So, so that's like, and I'm not even saying it as a Michigan fan because I, I think I think Georgia should be one. So that's I'm not saying that just because like you know f the Buckeyes or whatever though you know 100. percent But um, at the same time, like I think this is the theory that people are are trying to put forward right now is are they trying to just set up a Michigan versus Ohio State national championship? And like not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. It's because what? Because you don't think Ohio State uh, can beat Georgia or FSU or vice versa? Michigan can't beat those two teams? Or Yeah, I, th- I think – well, I think Michigan can. I don't think Ohio State can. And I also think it's going to be tough to put Ohio State – Ohio State and Michigan are going to play each other in the game at the end of the year. And I think it will be tough to see them still putting both Ohio and Michigan in, depending on what happens with that game. Just that last year, though. I know, I know. It's, it's just tough with what's – you know, how Texas has looked and – uh, Texas looks still, legit. I still think Texas has the best win uh, so far this season in terms of, like you know, going to Alabama and winning when they did that, how they did that. I know Alabama's not the same as they've been, but I think that's still the most credible win I've seen so far this year. I think the eye test is a big thing. Like I, you know, they look into strength of schedules. Like when you watch those four teams play, you can't convince me that Michigan doesn't look like the first, if not second, best team in the country. I know they haven't played anybody, but if you just watch them play, if you look at their roster, if you look what, at what they've been They feeling, look like they're playing high school. They look like, like every playing, time. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> I mean, you hear all these coaches say, like, yeah, we just played against an NFL roster, and, I mean, it, it's incredible. Uh, you watch Florida State play, and their win at, you know, over LSU in the first week. I think that's probably the second most notable win I've seen this year. So that's going to get – like, I would put Ohio State, I think, at the four right now. Mm-hmm. Florida State at the three, Michigan at the two, Georgia at the one. And I wouldn't change that until – you have reason to. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree of... with that. And maybe it changes week over week. Cause I, I think we're, we're saying reasonable things right now. So, um, all right. And now we can get into the, the less comfortable conversation. If you're a Michigan fan now, look, you can rest easy knowing for the most part, there's going to be no consequences to bear from this particular situation until next season. It's, it's highly unlikely other than distraction that it's going to impact this season. With that being said, this sign stealing thing is starting to look a little bit more fishy than what previously, you know, it's been made out to be in the past couple of weeks. So where are we at, Mark? Because you posted a TikTok that was some good investigative journalism. I have to admit, being in the Central Michigan building, do you want to explain, you know, what you see here? What's going on? Talk to me. So yeah, I posted a, a short uh, TikTok on this, but I wanted to get into this more on the full episode podcast because there are there's plenty to talk about here. Um, when I first saw this, John, you sent this to me, and I laughed. I was like, "Yeah, right, dude. Like this is literally a meme. It's a joke. That's clearly somebody on the central staff that just so happens to maybe look a little bit like the guy, the sign stealing guy that's been suspended already, uh, Connor Stallions." Um, but with what I saw from Coach McElwain's press conference after their matching game last night, basically he couldn't identify who this was. If this is a central staff member, which he's wearing team-issued coaching gear, the hat, the shirt, like that is, you notice, those two coaches, that, I mean, that's my coach from college right there, Tavita Thompson. You, those are central team-issued gear. He's wearing the same stuff. So 
it is very fishy how he got that stuff. It's very fishy how he got onto the sidelines. Um, there's a lot of and questions. You, do, you don't recognize this guy. Like, you've never seen a guy, guy in Michigan never seen in your that, life. Never seen a guy like that in my life. Um, <laughs> and the fact, the, the, the red flag, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from this and how this now becomes legitimately a story worth talking about is that Coach McElwain didn't know who it was. So, he... And again, there's two there's I, there's two possibilities with that answer, right? And the most likely one, the one that I think it is, is that he truly doesn't know who that is, doesn't know how he got on the sideline. Because look, I'll be honest with you, it probably wouldn't be that hard if this is Connor Stallions. One, he's a Division One college football coach. He's an ex-military, so for him to sneak onto the sidelines and pretend he's a coach would not be that hard. The security is not that great, especially if you pretend to be a coach. And these coaches, like if you're dressed like that, most no player's going to question who that guy is. I mean, you have alumni on the sidelines sometimes that you've never seen before. Uh, you could have scouts. Like, I mean, it could be anybody, right? You never think that it's what you never think this is what it is. Kind right. of you never right. would think that. So the fact that that's my most likely uh, theory. The other theory would be that Central Michigan is in on it. Um, Coach McElwain was a coach at Michigan before getting hired at Central Michigan for a year. He does have a relationship with Harbaugh and plenty of the coaches at Michigan. There are some connections. Is there potential of that happening? Sure, right? I mean, that could happen at any school. I still don't think that that's the likely thing that happened. Nothing that Coach McElwain did or said while I was playing for him there would make me think that he would be doing anything like that. So that's a reach. Um, but it's just very, very fishy. And the fact that he was able to do this, the fact that Michigan, if it all is confirmed, again, all of this is theory, but it's looking more and more like a plausible theory as the more details come out. It's insane that they would go in, into detail like this to uh, <laughs> to watch Michigan State's uh, you know signs and everything. And I, the crazy thing too, John, is if they're willing to do this, what else did they do? I mean, if this is real, if this is Connor Stanley's, and by the way, the side-by-side picture of Connor Stanley's and that picture of that guy it's like same head shape, same ears, same facial hair. Like it is, it's not like, Oh, they kind of look alike. Like, no, it, it is pretty damn. It's pretty damning, you know, like so, so a crazy story. It's a dude. crazy, it's one of the craziest stories I've seen. The more that comes out. And again, the biggest thing to me is that coach McLean confirming that he didn't know, couldn't identify who this was tells me 100% it is fishy. So whoever this was, whether it's a Michigan guy or just a random person that snuck on the field, it's a crazy story. But the fact that he looks exactly like the guy Michigan just suspended for doing the sign stealing, um, it is, I mean, shit got real. Shit yeah, got no, real. It, it definitely uh, took, because, you know, Mark and I kind of dismissed this because of some of the, the stupid stuff that Harbaugh's had to deal with uh, as far as scandals go. This seems to have... Um, a little bit, you know, more to it clearly. And, uh, you know, I think that both Mark and I were like, okay, there's, there's something a little bit more organized and weird going on here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see how the story develops. It was interesting, you know, Mark being a central Michigan player, being able to kind of get a little bit of an inside scoop on like, yeah, this is a little fishy. Cause and um, I'll be honest, John, like that, why I say it's, the most plausible theory is that he, you know, central is not a part of it is because it really wouldn't be that hard for somebody to get access, especially, like I said, someone who's a division one coach who has military background, who understands how the travel squad works, how the buses work, how you board. Like he's been in Michigan state stadium plenty of times. He knows how, what the away locker room is like, what the security is like, what credentials you'll need to show. So he knows the system. He knows how to beat the system. So it could be, it's very, very easy for someone with that knowledge to take advantage of it and just pretend he's a coach, just not say anything. If you, I mean, you can bullshit your way through a lot of things in life if you just act like you belong there. Seriously. Right, like, right. You'd you be surprised. John, I, I, seriously, John, I could think I could give you any of my CMU gear, 
that I got while I was playing there. Give you sunglasses and a hat and a fake credential. You know, you could probably do a little bit of research to find out what you need to do to do that. And I, you could probably, I could get you on the sidelines at a, at a Mac game at, at yeah. a smaller, you know, small school, small Mac school against a big 10. Like I really don't think it would be the craziest thing in the world to, to Drew, Drew just threw in the chat. We should test this. I mean, Real investigative I'm, journalism. I, I really don't. It's, everyone's like, yeah, right, man. Someone had to know. You know, no, I mean, at a, at it a, really like, isn't that hard to do. Like, I, I was gonna say, like Michigan versus Ohio State, sure, maybe you're gonna have right, to right, right. That's but what, like, yeah. but like Central Michigan versus Michigan State, like the security parameters are not super strict. So, like, and again, who's gonna question somebody that if you act like you've been there, which he knows how to act? He's a he's a Division one college coach. He knows <laughs> how to act. He knows how to answer questions. It's not like he's some random dude. Like he knows right. how to get away with that. Um, he's again, he's ex-military. So like, he's definitely like, you know, he's, he's got some, some skills for sure. If you wanted to do that, he probably could. So that's why I think that's, what's most plausible. Again, this is all theory. This is all just like, you know, it looks like him could be him. There's no confirmation of whether or not it is him, but what we have confirmed is that they, that central staff, their head coach didn't know who it was. So it's not a central staff member. That's all we know, whether it's a fan whether it's a Michigan scout, whether it's, uh, you know, it could be a dude from Ohio State. We never, who no one's ever going to know for sure, probably. But the fact that Central confirmed that they didn't know who it was raises, and that now the story digs. Like, yeah, that's, the that's what's begins. blowing my mind. For sure. So we're going to hear more about it for sure. 100%. Um, in the interest of time here, uh, we're going to we're gonna get into the games. And the only thing that I'm going to take some pause to give some credit to, because it deserves some credit, I want everybody to take a look at Mark's spread record. He is, he went perfect this week on his best bets. He's now 25 and 12. And by the way, I tried to bully him into picking the pa- the Panthers and uh, that, no, wait, sorry. They're, they're getting the three points. So that would have actually worked out. But regardless, 25 <laughs> and 12, that's ridiculous, Mark. Ridiculous. I mean, and you guys, you and Carter both questioned my Titans pick and you're like, well, quarterbacks, they're going to be playing two quarterbacks. And I just felt like, you know, it was time to to bet, you know, bet on them. Um, yeah, it just, we'll, we'll it's a hot week game, when you have when but... you when you have a when you have a hot feeling and you're just on a hot streak. You have to ride it. If you like making hey. money, people, twenty five and twelve. This is against the spread. This is not money line. This is against the spread. This is over unders are included in there. Twenty five and twelve this year. Yeah, that's super impressive. Um, and I went three and two, so I at least you know lowered my my margin here. Um, and I'm in striking distance. So maybe if I have a good week this week, uh, I can I can get back above five hundred. But twenty five and twelve is no joke. Now, let's start it off with Tampa at the Bills. The Bills come away with a win, but um, they were essentially a really shitty hail mary and not on baker a shitty hail mary on the receiver's awareness in my opinion from losing this game um it, it was very close for the majority of the game i think baker played pretty well overall and again i just have to say like the bills are a good team i'm not sure if they're a great team this year um and i think games like this totally drive that point home so that's kind of where i'm at um but yeah i mean chris chris godwin like where was his awareness during that? Like, I just felt like he stuck his arm out, like with the ball coming his way. It's like, he wasn't even trying to to score there. It was, it was weird. So. I will say one thing, John, they call it a Hail Mary for a reason because it's a prayer. Okay. It is a very low odds, low percentage that you're going to complete that. And it was a perfect throw. I give Baker credit. He bought time in the pocket. He got that thing up in the air. 
He got it to the end zone. Like, it was the perfect throw. It's a hard thing to catch. It's a hard thing to track. It's a hard thing to create the separation that you need because everyone knows where the ball's going. Like, every defender knows. So it is very hard to complete that. Um, but this game, if we're being honest, it shouldn't have been close. Like, the Bills, the fact that this was as close as it was, you're raising questions about Buffalo. I think at this point in the season, I will finally admit your statements of Josh Allen, your statements of them are fair. I give you... No kickback against your statement of they're good, not great. And I, you know, I've been big on the Bills the last, you know, two years, and I am slowly seeing that they could be in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, they made some acquisitions um, at the trade deadline, but honestly, and, and we can get into this, like, I think that that sends signals related to, to desperation uh, more than anything else. I know, like, people were really harping on, you know, why didn't the Lions make a, a bigger splash? Why didn't KC make a bigger splash, et cetera? Um, it's usually because good teams like don't feel like they need to. Like, Let's not forget, usually it comes at the expense of draft capital, and a lot of the time it's fifth-year guys that you have to sign massive extensions to in the middle of the season in order to keep around in the first place. Um, all that is to say is that, you know, like that's not something good teams generally do, and the Bills felt like they need to go get some free agents, they need to go make some trades, um, and that might, you know, write the ship for the rest of the season. They might be more competitive, but you know, it's, it's showing that there's some weaknesses. There's some cracks, um, in, in their entire, um, I don't know, model, I guess, because it's, it's, um, you know, it originally looked like an unstoppable freight train two years ago, and now they just look like a, a hard to beat team, like a good team. So, um, commanders continue to just refuse to die when they play Match the football. Match they, football, man. They really gave the Eagles a hard time all over again. Um, the Eagles cover, but like, uh, you know, and that's a larger spread. But <laughs> if you watch that game, you would know that they didn't cover because it was dominant. They covered just because like seven points is what one instead of three. Um, uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown. He's is, on a, he is on a track, man. He's six games in a row of over 25 receiving yards. Yep. Uh, he is just on a, he is just on a tear, man. Um, He's having a great year. Jalen Hurts is finding him. The fact that they signed Julio Jones is in some ways unfair. Now you have Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones in the same receiving core. All Julio um, has to be in that is just a mismatch with his size. Which and, he is. And he's, right. still, you know, and he's still always going to be a freak athlete with a huge catch radius. Um, Sam Howell didn't play bad. I still don't think the commanders are terrible. I just think that, you know. Well, they might be the rest of the season. Uh, they, did, is, they feel like they sold out. You know, I feel like yeah. they. Well, and I can I can jump down without spoiling anything. Um, thank you, Drew, for cleaning this up. Um, I I knew it was horrible. He's he probably was cussing me out while he was doing that. Um, just some of the major transactions, and you're gonna notice there's only one team that's on here twice, and it's the Commanders giving away both of their uh defensive ends. Um, so. And that's probably suggesting that Ron Rivera probably is not going to be the head coach um, come the end of the season. Um, my speculation is that Eric Bieniemy might become the head coach um, and they need to clean up their offensive line really badly. So I think that's like kind of where they're at, right? Receiving core is pretty good. They might continue to ride with Howell. Um, they're trading away some draft capital, I think, to load up this draft and, and start a new regime. So I don't, I don't know, Mark, if you have a similar take. Uh, on that but that's kind of yeah no i think you hit i think you hit spot on i was very surprised the only thing i'll really say about this trade deadline was underwhelming 
Um, I, I, I mean, think these that, are all the major transactions, except yeah, the Jags got is, an offensive lineman too. Right. That, it that wasn't was big, uh, nothing really crazy happened. I thought it was interesting to see Dobbs go to Minnesota. I think that's awesome. I think he earned that right. The way he's playing on a bad Arizona team. Um, I think it shows you a little bit about what they plan to do with Kyler too. And then the fact that the Seahawks got Leonard Williams, I think is unfair. I think that's an awesome get for them. It's a Seattle team that's flirting with becoming a true contender, um, which we've been saying about them since preseason. And then obviously San Francisco getting another guy, um, Chase Young, another Ohio State pass rusher to pair up with Nick Boza. You know, him as a number two guy, you can't double him anymore. In that defensive system, I think he's going to thrive. And obviously Montez Sweat, you know, I was surprised to see the Bears make a move like that, but he's a freak player, man. He's a stud. Yeah, uh, I got to pay him in eight weeks, though. And that's the But I was really surprised that the Detroit Lions didn't um, – you know, we talked as I was surprised that they weren't more aggressive. I mean, I, I get what you guys say in terms of the patience, in terms of giving up, you know, draft value. But if you, you can't convince me that going after Max Crosby or trying to go after Leonard Williams instead of Seattle wouldn't have been worth second, third picks. Like, <laughs> Here's the thing. Have... The GM at the time for Vegas, right, was probably like, no, we're not trading anybody. And by the way, Max Crosby probably would have cost at least at I... a minimum two first round picks worth getting. Probably you could make an argument, but Standard Vegas fashion, which Mark, what's my trope with Vegas? Oh, you're they're the worst managed, worst owned team. They've in had the some league. bad luck too, man. They've had some bad luck. Yeah, too, sure. But... You know what's stupid is uh firing your coaches hours after the trade deadline passes. What? Yeah, I know. What? It's not ideal. It's not ideal. That makes no sense. Uh... <laughs> that makes yeah. no sense. Anyways, um. But look, I like DPJ, and we gave up a 2025 sixth rounder for him. Yeah, and no, I, I think like he's getting, a great fit. I so. like getting DPJ. I'm happy about bringing him back home. He's a Detroit kid. Uh, funny thing about him, we're, we're, we're the same high school graduating class, so I also played receiver. He was the number one re- ranked receiver in the country. Uh, for, I think, two weeks my junior year with him, I led the state receiving yards, and he was right behind me. So that was kind of cool to see my name ahead of him, and then he just torched me for the rest of the season. And yeah, my well, name I mean, dropped further and further down, and his name just stayed up at number one. But, well, you know, that's exciting, cool. and you guys had very similar professional careers as totally. well. Totally, so. totally. We have like kind of the same physique and same physical attributes. One hundred percent. But no, I thought that was a good get. I just thought that the priority should have been, you know, we have to edge rusher. Corner. We have to help Hutch. We have to get somebody opposite of Hutch so that we can't we can do his thing without hoping to God that is something they address in free agency next year. My assumption is they're going to bring as many of their guys back as they can with this damn near $70 million in cap space they're sitting on. And they will either draft an edge rusher or that's where you take a swing at a guy like Max Crosby. He's got one less year of dead cap space for the Raiders. Maybe you trade two first to go get him. I'd be all about it. Maybe. I just, um, I just thought you could just, you can sense that now's the time. I mean, we are, we're right there, man. And yeah, uh, but there, I, I, there were guys, I didn't have to be max. It did not have to be max. Leonard Williams for, you know, a second and a fifth totally right. should have done that. Totally would have said that's worth it. Chase Young for a third. I mean, come on. Why didn't he, he's, if we would have, we should have offered a second and got it like that. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, look, they it, kind of what Jeremy said, right? Like they are so stubborn on not effing the culture aspect of it up. Yeah. They're so particular on what is a Dan Campbell Detroit lions guy. And we can critique that all we want, but the fact of the matter is, is that it works and it's the first time anything has worked in Detroit our entire lives. And so I guess like I do have to kind of take the seat of 
who are we to question it at this point? Um, now I will question this: Rasul Douglas to the Bills. Like good for a th- I think it's re- I think it's really good for the Bills. It's great for the Bills. The Green Bay just basically traded like their heart and soul of their defense away, though. I mean, I can't think of a better on-field leader for that team than Rasul. Um, I don't know, man. I just I can't make sense of it for the draft capital that was given up. He's a damn good player, but more importantly, we talk about culture. You just you know traded away you one of your best cultural in the bits. tree. I mean, you gave him up. You gave him up for uh, a third round pick, but you gave him and a fifth round pick up. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't understand it. In the trade, I mean, yeah, it's hey, credit to the Bills. They're definitely lacking that, and yeah. that's gonna that's gonna help them out on defense. So um, that's our quick trade segue. As if we had more things that we needed to talk about this episode. It's midweek, um, you know. It's midweek mania, man. There's a lot of yeah, and guess what? We got power rankings because uh, we do them quarterly, <laughs> and we are halfway through the season now. So you, works, y'all have that man. to look forward to. Um, so Pats at Dolphins. Dolphins are nine and or sorry, what am I saying? Are nine and a half in point games. Were nine and a half point favorites. Um, end up putting the Pats away. Um, just I think they're just too fast for a, even a well coached, well disciplined defense to handle. Um, it's and new era versus offense. old era football. Yep. New era versus old era football, and that's you know, Tua has just owned Bill Belichick. Weirdly enough, since entering the league, even before Miami was this flashy team that we're seeing, Tua has had success against this Patriots defense. Yeah, I think I they have I, one loss to the Patriots. Maybe I, I, I don't. Yeah. I think two is, I don't even know if two has lost to Belichick as a starter. I don't think he has. Yeah. yeah. So that's wild. Um, and then obviously, I mean, look, the Bengals just They're find, back. they just find ways to convince everybody that they are horrible in by week four and then totally take the expectations in the other direction. I mean, this year, this year, there's a logical explanation as to why though their quarterback Injury. got hurt in camp. Right. You, you see, you saw Burrow making plays with his legs. That is this sneaky, um, you know, skill that separates him from so many others. He is, he's a pure assassin pinpoint passer, like Tom Brady's of the world, but he has this, this hidden athleticism and this feel in the pocket to extend plays. I mean, you saw the play that he made where he stiff on Boza threw another grown man to the ground, scrambles out, takes a hit from Fred Warner while throwing a dime to T. Higgins to move the chains. Like, that's one of the best plays you're going to see all year, and that's from a guy that you wouldn't, you know, quote as one of the more athletic quarterbacks in the league, right? He just, that's not really what you talk about when you talk about Joe Burrow. You talk about all the other things, but he has that in his bag. The the, the uh, quarterback draws they kept running on third long against that two-cloud defense were just – it gashed him. It's demoralizing. Third and 11, you drop everybody back. No one's open. You think you've done your job. And a guy that you think can't move because he hasn't moved because of that calf injury, he looked pretty damn healthy to me because he kept tucking that thing on quarterback draws and getting the 11 yards with his legs the old-fashioned way. And he's just – I mean, he's playing with the chip on his shoulder. He heard the people. He's, he's so much like Tom Brady. I'm telling you, we've said this a thousand times on this podcast – he is so much like Tom Brady. He heard people like you, like me, like anyone else saying, are the Bengals dead? Are they, is this, is, should they have paid Burrow? All these, all this bullshit that we were saying. I think that you have found out rather quickly that they're not going anywhere. Uh, as long as he's the quarterback and he's healthy for Cincinnati, they're a threat in the AFC. Um, yeah. Um, they're dangerous. A, a huge they threat. are dangerous. Very much so. Um, maybe the most boring game of the entire week uh 24 more punts than points yeah got really exciting and like in the last five minutes but that's only because there was a complete nothing burger the other uh 55 um but hey man a win's a win 
and a win's a win's a win. And Zach Wilson uh, now has too, led this team to too much time on the clock for Zach Wilson, baby. Yeah, hey, you twenty four seconds. Time for him. No problem. That's all he baby. needs, man. Yeah, so that that was exciting to watch. Um, just because the Jets continue to remain in it, and Aaron Rodgers continues to apparently just defy what we thought we knew about human anatomy. I mean, have yeah, you asked your was, dad about this? He was playing. I mean, my dad doesn't have an answer. Nobody has an answer. I've asked doctors that I work with about it. They don't have an answer. Uh, he he's planning off of that leg yeah. throwing. Yeah. In warmups. It has been not even two months. Six, it's yeah. It's in six weeks. It's incredible. I mean, this guy's going to play again this year. He's because I, he, he might, might even play. He might play in the regular season. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's an, it's what? incredible. I, and I'm telling you, if he does, the Jets are a team to look out for. The AFC is open. They're the Chiefs are not this Sherlock team in the AFC. I don't even know if they're going to be the one seed. I mean, you have teams like the Ravens and Miami, and the Bills are always flirting, and you know, but. I'm telling you, man, the, don't write the Jets off. They are they are a dangerous team. They have a damn good defense. They have weapons. You put a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers back into that system. Credit Zach Wilson's been doing a fine job, but he he's just not Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks that God ever gave the ability to throw the ball. So you put him in that, with that team. The, think about the inspiration they're going to have, too, when that guy comes back. I mean, he, he's just going to have, like... It's going to be rough. It's going to be chilling. It is going to be chilling to see. So, um... Cowboys looking like the Cowboys again. I mean, they are just this team where you have to scratch your head at because trying to make sense of what they are and what they're capable of in the postseason, you're going to end up confused because like per usual, right? Like they, they come out crazy out the gate. They look unstoppable. They lose to a team. You wouldn't expect them to lose to. They take a couple more losses and now they're back to like beating up on teams that they should beat up on and absolutely blowing them out. But like, you know, Later down the stretch, are the problems going to resurface like they usually do? Where are they going to get seated in the playoffs? Like all these really important questions when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but hey, you get a win here. Um, Rams are not a bad team still in my perspective. Um, and you guys embarrassed them. So congrats. Dallas is a good team, period. I, I, if you try to say otherwise, I think they're you're good. just a hater. No one, good. Here likes, no one here likes them, but you have to admit they're a good team. They're a dangerous team. Um, I think they'll beat Philly, by the way. We'll, we'll get into that when we do our picks. But. Okay, cool. Um, Jags at Steelers. This one I was thinking about taking as a best bet. Bummed that I didn't. The Jags look really good, man. And They are really good. To, to watch them, you know, I think handle a Steelers defense the way that they did offensively. And they still look really sloppy offensively. Like, I don't feel like they're playing to their potential yet. And their defense continues to surprise um, this is a Trevor, dangerous team. Trevor, man. Trevor Lawrence isn't even 100% healthy either. Like, so I yeah. think he's playing through that knee. It's a injury. damn good team. You you got to be, not only do you have to be good, you got to be cocky and you got to be kind of just like bold to go into Pittsburgh, beat the Steelers, and then steal terrible towels on your way out and just, and just completely just like take away from all of that tradition. You don't mess with Steelers fans, especially their terrible towels. Um, I mean, we've we've seen some crazy things happen with fans, and when you when you mess with something that they're passionate about, and the Jags went in there and they just absolutely embarrassed them. Also, thank you, Jags, for wearing the teal pants for this particular teal uniform matchup. Nice. It looked good. It was it was a great uniform matchup, uh, unlike the Lions and Raiders, um, which we'll get to. Um, Vikings at Green Bay. Obviously, you had the Achilles tear. I think uh, anybody that watches. Um, 
you know, sports at this point kind of knows what that looks like after watching the Aaron Rodgers one replay. As soon as you kind of see like that, you know, calf tremble um, when it's just, you know, normally planted. And, you know, it's as soon as I saw that replay, I was like, shit, man. And look, uh, we make jokes um, about Kirk, about the Vikings. Kirk is arguably this season playing top six, top seven quarterback play. Like that is not a joke. Has been. He's been a top six, top seven quarterback statistically as long as he's been a starter. Um, Yeah. And you joke about him all the time. He deserves the credit, man. He deserves the credit. He's and he's one of the best guys overall, best team guys, best people all together in football. And it's a, it's a true bummer to see him go down, especially right when you thought the Vikings were turning things around. Yeah. Kind of getting their momentum again. And, and I mean, you know, the defense is finally playing better, which is what they brought Flores on uh, to do. Like, it's a bummer. Um, hopefully, you know, Dobbs can kind of keep it running over there, unless you're playing the Lions, of course. Um, but they do end up coming away with, you know, still a relatively dominant win. And, uh, you know, prayers for Kirk that he comes back uh, healthy, probably with a new team, if I had to guess. Probably. I mean, That's probably the last we saw him. And, and, that, and that sucks the most, you know, for him is because he goes into free agency with this big question mark. So it's probably going to affect what he gets payment wise. It's probably, it's, it sucks. Yeah. Um, he did get a bag with the Vikings he's though. So it's not all bad. Plenty of money. So far. Yeah. he's, he's, he's he doing well. Be, yeah. He's not poor. Uh, <laughs> starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, he's, yeah, not he's, poor, man. he's not poor. He's not poor. <laughs> Make no mistake. Um, Texans at Panthers. Mark was right. Um, Whoa! That's yeah, the first, Marcus, uh, right. first positive thing on this podcast episode. My way, yeah, a lot of Mark- slander on me so far in this episode. But yeah, I was I hey one versus two. Me and Carter Ferris. Shout out to our last week's guest. Both had a gut feeling. John said that he was not going to entertain it. We entertained it, and Bryce Young got his first win over CJ Stroud. Yeah, pretty pretty impressive stuff. Um, from the Panthers to actually finally get their first win, get that done. I'm sure that is a weight off of their shoulders uh, to some degree. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, expectations are pretty low about where they're at the rest of the season still, but one beat two, and that matters for sure. So um, now this game, there's a lot to talk about. Um, but the main thing to talk about is that there's a guy that likes mayonnaise in his coffee and eats bananas whole um, that apparently is also really good at quarterback um, for this particular game in his rookie debut, about as good of a rookie debut that you can have in the NFL. Will Levis, uh, three touchdowns to Hopkins? Four. Is that correct? Well, three four. to Hopkins, four total. Four total. I mean, and, and this is against a Falcons team that is no joke. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a Titans fan, kind of maybe assume that was the last time you saw Ryan Tannehill as your starting quarterback. I'm not I don't want to say too, it too early. But. I'm not going to get too excited about it because they were wearing the Oilers jerseys, which and you like, can't it, lose in those. I, anyone who's playing quarterback in those is going to have superpowers. Now, I will say the last throw, the last touchdown, he kind of like the game clinching touchdown that he threw, where he's where, and it was in our Aliens of the Week. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. Uh, it's our, our last video, but uh, he rolls right, stops, gonna take, gonna get hit, throws, just flick of the wrist. I mean, and I I said it in the video. I, there's really only three or four guys in the league that can make that throw on a consistent basis. It's Josh Allen, Herbert, and Mahomes. Um, and he did that and made it look easy. 
you give a guy who was slept on in the draft, fell to day two of the draft, had an, a totally embarrassing draft night, uh, his girlfriend leaves him, all, all of this shit happens, right? You give all this guy this added motivation to want to go be great, and he's got all the physical talents. I mean, that's never been a secret. You give him extra motivation, and he comes out and does that. Like, you can't, you know, you got to just be happy for the guy. Um, but can he do it again is a big-time question. That's a big-time different thing. But if you're a Titans fan, that's pretty damn promising for a first Yeah, first and, first and Tannehill is out next week, um, so you will be seeing another Levis start, and we will see, you know, it just how he, yeah, just how he performs in his second. Um, so, um, Saints at Colts. Um, I actually don't think I was able to catch this game, but um, Saints come away with a win. They're right in the thick of things in the NFC South, um, especially with both Atlanta and Tampa taking a loss. Um, so that continues to be a big question mark division. And you got to ask: Are any of those teams good? Um, are they just all going to flirt with 500 to end the season to be determined? Um, but it was nice to see them put up a lot of points. They definitely could still win the division, which should excite you as a Saints fan, because a week ago we were talking about how dead they were. Yeah. I mean, putting up points is really exciting. And, uh, we, we didn't see a whole lot of those in, in the first few weeks. So, um, the Browns, uh, fall victim to the Seahawks, um, Man, they're a tough team to beat on the road, and I don't want to get you know too overreactiony here. But the Browns looked unstoppable to start the season, and now it seems like we're figuring out how to play you know offense against them, and it's not looking quite as smooth. And there is, I'm gonna say it at this point. I think there's clearly drama with Deshaun at this point. Like I don't think it's just an injury thing. I think that there's some issues they're dealing yeah. with. Um, I, mean, I, don't so, know, I don't know for sure. I think it's it's still speculation at this point what is going on there, but. The Browns are not the same team if he doesn't play. Uh, obviously, they're missing Nick Chubb a lot, but the, the Browns' defense will keep them in most games. And if they can, if they can get Deshaun playing, like literally, all they have to do is get Deshaun playing half as good as he used to be in this league, and they are gonna win more games than they lose. It's you know that they're still very much in the race to be a playoff team. So they got to figure that out now, though. Uh, Seattle, John, we gave them a lot of hype coming into the season. We said that last year was not a fluke. They just went and got Leonard Williams. They, I mean, they're they're a tough-nosed team. I my preseason two bets that I did little sprinkles of who's going to win the division: Detroit Lions. That's looking pretty damn solid, and the Seattle Seahawks. And they are now tied with the 49ers for first place in the division. They have yet to play the Niners. Um, I think that they can beat out the Niners and win that division. Yeah, your uh, your takes continue to age well i also um i don't usually like put up tweets um from my friends just bullshitting about football but uh, my buddy gabe who's a seahawks fan put this up if you uh if you know borat at all um <laughs> this has made me laugh really hard um if you read that in a borat voice but um i feel bad for gino man because he's uh he's got a lot to deal with among um his rivals um in that division as far as pass rush goes um he he said with with an Aaron Donald pass rush he went oh my god they like caught it on a hot mic when he was rushing up the middle I mean that sucks um but yeah man shout out to the Seahawks because they are playing really good football right now and uh Mark did call it he, he was really confident that he liked them to win the division be- better than the 49ers too and Right now, the 49ers going through a bit of a mid-season slump, and the Seahawks continue to just kind of be a wagon. So um, really exciting stuff. All right. 
KC at the Broncos. Uh, Pat Mahomes has the flu. It is at um, Mile High, and the weather sucked, and they took full advantage. The Denver Broncos end up beating the Chiefs for the first time in seven years, I believe. I think, I think this would have longer than that. I think eight. I think. I think it was this would have been the fifteenth straight was loss. Pre- Obama was president. When they last time that they beat the Chiefs, Mahomes. Dude, that's not, two presidents ago. I know Mahomes had not lost. Mahomes had not lost an away game in division in his career until this game, and it was the that's Broncos crazy. that ended up the first. And game. he had to get the flu for it. That's right, right, right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know asterisks next to that game, but nine to twenty four is not a very close game. Uh, no, the Broncos deserved to win that. They came out, give them credit, took advantage of the things that the Chiefs had going on. Um, and these game again, but we saw these two teams play just a couple weeks ago and it was pretty close. So the divisional games, man, it it is weird how, you know, those teams just know each other just enough where it's, it always tends to be close. Um, Ravens at Cardinals, uh, no Ravens looked a little bit more beatable this game, but I'm still very much, um, in the vein of Lamar and this Ravens team are very well equipped to make a run. I think the the new offensive coordinator plus the the refurbished uh, receiving core has done wonders for this offense. Um, and Lamar made and it, uh, it was an aliens of the week, right? He made just an oh, yeah. absolutely insane throw uh, with pressure leg. in his face, off one leg, basically looking over the the one side of of the defender in order to actually see where he was throwing it, but throwing the ball on the other side of the defender to complete it. It was a Freaky play. Go check I've out. I've never seen anything movie. like it, honestly. It was really nuts. Haven't. I mean, it looked like he was doing a Michael Jack, a Michael Jackson dance move while throwing the ball. <laughs> and then the fact that like he threw it and like looked away after he threw it because he knew it was going to be six, and then like kind of jogged. It was kind of like a no look thing, like you see Steph Curry do, like where he shoots it and he turns and he goes down down the court before he even goes in. It was yeah. one of those things. And he like you, he's just playing with a swagger that I mean, he's always had a swagger when he plays. He's very confident, but you can feel like he's taking it another step forward with, like you said, new OC, better receiving core, uh, much more consistency, better play calling. They're really letting him loose. Like they're letting him be him. They're you know? scary, man. They're yeah, really scary. They're, they're a um, tough team. Uh, Bears at Chargers. Chargers come away with a win. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's hey, the Bears. I, I still, I'm not going to write off the Chargers. I never, I never do. I never want to write off the Dare Justin Herbert. I, They're by the so way, cool. Playing, he's a dog, dude. He's playing with the middle finger up. Yeah. Like he's got his, that middle finger is stuck up. Like he's slim shady. Uh, and he's got it taped up and he's playing with it. I mean, he's, he can't even put pressure on the football with that finger. I was going like to say, it's, his, it's on his throwing hand, right? It's on his, no, it's on his, his left, left hand. hand, I think. But okay, I mean, when bad. he's holding a ball in the pocket, he's got, he still has the finger and the middle finger is like your anchor point. I mean, that's the middle, like that's where you get a ton of the balance of your grip. And you know, that's, he's a, he's a tough dude, man. He, and he took some shots and he, and he played pretty damn well. I get the bears are bad, but I mean, I I hope the chargers turn it around because again, they're a sweet team. I think you and I I are always, I want them. Yeah. I think you and I are always, I mean, that division's more fun when they're good, like all of these components. So please chargers, like turn it around. Like I don't, I don't want to sit here and criticize how poorly coached you are. Like it would be my preference <laughs> that you guys just turn it around truly. Um, and then speaking of, of poor coaching, uh, uh, McDaniels has been relieved of his duties as, 
as the, as the Raiders head coach. Deservingly um, so. That guy should have been fired after the Steelers game. He yeah. just is not a good head coach, man. He's, no. he's had he's had two chances. He's failed miserably both times. Uh, he's just should have kept Passaccia, man. Should have kept. Some Passaccio guys aren't around. meant to be. Some guys aren't meant to be head coaches, and we have learned that he's one of them. I, again, I just don't understand like how. I mean, Devontae Adams again. You only target him, I think, six or seven times. Jimmy G obviously did not play good. Their chemistry's off. Hunter Renfro doesn't even line up on the field most of the snaps. Like I, it, I just have. It, none of it really makes sense. Um, the Lions should have won by much more than they did. They dominated this game. Yeah, they, they played a ridiculous they amount of really bad uh, turnovers. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the score is misleading. I mean, the Lions dominated this game. They crush them. Yeah. Um, and Jameer Gibbs is the story of this game. Um, I think he finally game. kind of had his his, his breakout game. Um, he didn't just look fast; he looked physical, which I honestly wasn't expecting. There was a couple plays where he really like was breaking tackles, and and what Austin Eckler said, defending you know Gibbs and his development is that patience component too. I think yeah. he he sat there, let plays develop, and then found that gap, and finally just you know when he took off, oh man, it he, was it was something to watch. He was fun to watch, and we all we and we knew that he would be something like that. I just it's really it's always exciting to see something that you expect to happen actually start to come to fruition. Um, but one thing I'll say about the Lions is they're missing Montgomery. As they get closer to the end zone, they're missing him, man. Yeah, they, they have they, to. They ben Johnson. Yeah, he starts. Ben Johnson starts he reaching into cute. his. I was going to say, he starts cute. reaching into his bag of mag- magic tricks rather than I think what they prefer to do is just ram it down your throat and, right. and have your bruiser of a running back, you know, yeah. uh, get six. So Also, on the trick play, Amon Ra had his receiver wide open and just chose not to throw it. have no idea what he was doing. The trick yeah. play, where the, the screen that he caught that was going to be a double pass. I, I know exactly. He, what he had the guy wide open. I don't know I why think he didn't throw it. I think the thing is that, like, you're just not used to gauging – with pressure in your face like that, if you can actually clear the defenders with the throw, because think about it, he's not a quarterback. That's my best guess is I think he just hesitated with that pressure in his face. If he actually was going to be able to get it up. Um, But yeah, overall though, they, they dominated and now they, this is a much needed bye week for the lions. They are banged up. Offensive lines, bad running backs were really banged up. Their secondaries really banged up. Um, giving a chance for all three of those position groups to kind of get, you know, healed up and and hopefully, you know, get Montgomery back, get some of our interior uh, offensive linemen back. CJ Gardner Johnson is back in the building um, and says he's going to be coming back in a few weeks. Uh, James Houston, uh, we might see, you know, towards the end of the season here. Like these are all big names that can Bring absolutely the impact the game. Maybe. Bring yeah. in the reinforcement. I mean, being six and two with the problems that we've had injury wise crazy to the bye is a pretty damn good spot to be in. Very good spot to be in. Um, so we'll we'll put a lid on that and move on to the picks. I want what's the sausage, Drew? So Drew cleans up these these that what is the sausage? What's the hot dog? I'm waiting. Anyways, it, Oh, Germany game. Germany game. Got it. Okay. It's a schnitzel. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bratwurst. Bratwurst. What it is. No, a schnitzel is like a, like a fried pork on a stick or something like that, I think. We both took German, and we both yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's embarrassing that we don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Deutschland. Um, All right. Let's so, see. Levis led Titans at the Steelers. Steelers are a three-point favorite. Mark, where are you at? Well, first, got to update our records on this sheet, because I, I got to see my 25. True, true. Don't no, blame Drew. It's probably my fault. Yeah. 
I'm not blaming Drew. No, there's no Drew slander on this podcast. We've already established. Uh, Drew, Drew's goaded. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Drew is, puts in a lot of work behind the scenes for this yeah. podcast. Anytime Dude. John blames Drew, it's John. Just understand that. Um, but I like uh, I like the Steelers in this game. I think defensively they're going to confuse Levis. I think that we saw. I think we saw the best of Levis. Unfortunately. I think the Titans cover at least. I don't know. I like the Titans to cover. Man, short week, not a lot of time for love. You used there. a lot of this exact same logic last week, and the Jags. Yeah, but they're playing Pittsburgh them by two scores. No, that's yeah, what but, I'm saying. Yeah, but they have Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags are one of the best teams in the NFL. I just, I, all I'm saying is I've heard this story before. I don't disagree with you though. But at the same time, the Titans have a damn good defense, and you know, Pickett is not super healthy right now, and Matt Canada is their offensive coordinator, so. I like the Steelers. Okay. Okay. Um, Dolphins at KC. KC are one and a half point favorites. Um, note that the um, over for this one is 51. So, uh, Shootout, baby. We got a potential for a very exciting game. These The German fans are going to be going crazy. By the way, this um, sucks that this game's in Germany. I'll be honest. I was just going to say, like, this Why entire. Because this slate for this week is crazy, anyways. I mean, you got Dallas, Philly, you yeah, got they, Buffalo, why Bengals. Why does Germany get the best game of the week? Is it though, dude? I mean, Dallas at Eagles, Bills at Bengals. I think it's the best. I think it's the best game of the week. Seattle at Baltimore. Yeah, there's some good games, but I think yeah. no, this is a really good game. Um, I, I like the Dolphins. I I like the Dolphins too. Um, just because I think Casey's strong point right now is their defense, not their offense. So um, that that matters when you're playing a team that you know has a very high powered offense. Um, all right, Hawks at Baltimore. Baltimore are five and a half point favorites. I, I don't love that spread, honestly. I think that's not giving enough credit to the Seahawks as a team. Um, but I do like Baltimore to win it. I just don't love them to cover. Uh, I like Seattle to cover. But I can't put it. I, I I did think about putting on my best bets, but I'm gonna pass on it, just because the Ravens, they have this weird thing at home where they can just like dominate teams where they're when they're not supposed to dominate them. Right. So, um, cards at bronze minus eight. I don't totally love this one from a spread perspective either. Well, Josh Dobbs is no longer with the Cardinals, so I don't even know who's playing quarterback. That's a hu- actually that's a huge point. That might he's change definitely been a huge part of why they've been hanging around. Um, yeah, and I don't pro- know. I mean, Kyle's defense is going to eat whoever it is alive. Yeah, I'm gonna actually. I'm I'm moving Browns to my best bet. I like this because because I forgot that. Yeah, who is their starting quarterback? That that's not a good question to be asking at the midpoint of the season. Generally speaking, give me the Browns as a best bet as well. Cool. That, I like that because it it's a hedge now. Perfect. Um, well, how are you ever going to catch me? I told you. I'm just going to make it so that if we both lose, we lose. I mean, I don't lose, but when I do, I'm going to make sure you lose too. And then so I, I should just copy you every week? You shouldn't copy me. You have to find the games that I don't pick and get those ones right. That's your only chance. And I'll copy you. Um, then, yeah, then, then, then you'll just really stack it. Duh, Bears at the Saints. I Look. I love the fact the Saints finally figured out how to play offense again. That's Did awesome. They, That's my question. Did they? <laughs> and so 
Uh, I don't like minus season. eight. I, I love the Saints to win this game. Money line all day on this, but I I don't like the fact that they're going to win by more than a touchdown. I think that's that's crazy to me. So that's where I'm at with it. Uh, I think the Bears cover, but I'm not putting that in my best bets. Yeah, I can't trust the Bears. Yeah. I also can't trust the Saints. So in that case, I'd take the points. Um, You got the Commanders at the Pats. Um, This is definitely a tank bowl at this point, certified tank bowl. Um, who for? We don't know. Uh, both these teams probably would consider drafting a quarterback. Uh, one of the teams just threw all of their defensive linemen out the window. Um, I don't know. And also, I like, we, I like Washington in that game. Man. I kind of do even, too, honestly. Even with without, the points, even without you know Sweat and Chase Young, I, I I like I like Washington with with give me the you know the three and a half points they're getting. Best bet? No, just you like them. I I like them too. Not best bet though. Um, you got Vikings at Atlanta. Atlanta is a four and a half point favorite. Heineke time. Five. And Vikings have Dobbs playing quarterback, probably. Yeah, probably learning how to or play. It's, or it's going to be Hall, who's a rookie out of BYU, who we don't know. I'm at, I'm adding Atlanta to my best bets. I think this is a, a bounce back game from last week that they need. Heine, a little Heineke. And, and Heineke, Heineke, like, Heineke show. We have gassed up Heineke so much on the show that I feel like I need to like put some respect on it and say, yeah, he's going to prove everybody that he should have been the starting quarterback from week one. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm not going to put in my best bets, but I do. I, I like the Falcons as well. Drew pointed out something that I noticed when I put this together too. Every home team is favored. Well, Casey's technically not home, but every home team is favored um, on the this 1 p.m. 1 p.m. slate, which is very interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, we got Tampa at Texans. Texans are two and a half point favorites. I think Tampa's a pretty good team, so I don't totally love that. I mean, home field advantage does matter, though. Uh, where are you at with this, Mark? I think the Bucks cover. Yeah, I think the Bucks cover too. I'm not touching it for best bets, though. Baker's hungry. I think he's. I think they've been a little bit pissed off. They've slowed down after that hot start. Uh, I think it's a get back game. Yeah, I'm. I'm a fan of that take. Um. We got Rams at Green Bay. Green Bay, to my surprise, is a three-point favorite. I I did double check that. Stafford might not play. Oh, is he is he hurt? Yeah, UCL. What it's, with it's thumb? Mm. That definitely changes things. I'm not going to touch this one then. Um, I I still think I like the Rams to win it though, even though I what Stetson Bennett time? I, no, I don't even know if he's on the team anymore. I I don't wait know actually. Play. Yeah, I don't know who their team is. I don't know who their starting quarterback on that team is. Stetson has been away all year, Drew says. I'm not sure why. Um, all right. Personal issues, apparently, undisclosed. Okay. Colts at Panthers. Thanks, Drew, for correcting me when I'm stupid. Um, <laughs> this is this is a tank pool, I'd say. Would you say it's a tank pool? Um, yeah. Feeling pretty tanky on it. Um, I like the Colts to win, though. I don't. Do I don't think. It? I don't do think. Pan- do you, I don't love, do love it. I just it like, it. like it. No, I just very much like it. Definitely don't love it. I think I'm gonna put the Colts in my best bet. No way. Panthers aren't winning two games in a row. Come on. Um. Yeah.
All righty. Um, Cowboys at Eagles. Eagles are a three-point favorite. Ah. You said you'd like the Cowboys plus three here. I do right? like the Cowboys plus three. I don't know if I can put in my best bets, you know. Yeah, I don't think this game's gonna be crazy though. I can't wait for that. I it's like a huge. It's a huge game. I think Philly probably. I like the run. Eagles here with the full home field advantage. Um, yeah, I think, and I think, I think they'll think the cover Eagles too. I think the Eagles. I think the Eagles are just a mismatch. I think. I think the Eagles are similar in terms of what they do schematically um, to the 49ers who assaulted the Cowboys. Yeah, so that makes that makes me kind of lean that way. Sure. So um, my final take is that I'll take the Eagles, but I I'm not putting in my best bets. Okay. Giants at Raiders. Um, Raiders are a two point favorite. I think these got these spreads got posted before. Yeah, before the coaching and general manager turnover. However, if history is any indication, teams usually kind of come out like with a chip on their shoulder after their coach gets fired. Um, Yeah, usually, but Drew said the spread is accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to be favored in a game where your coach got fired two days ago. It's it is wild. Actually, John, drag Eagles in my best bets. Okay, had to stew on it for a sec. Stewed on it. Just decided, decided. I think I had to do it. Um, I mean, I think I like the Giants to cover. but I mean, obviously, I'm not going to put any either of those in my best bet. Like, I'm, I'm not just, touching either. I don't like it's it. Such a garbage game. Um, Bills at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a two and a half point favorite. My gut is telling me, does does this count as a Demar Hamlin revenge game? Yeah, I, okay. I think so. I mean, he died and was resurrected on the field the last time they played there. Right. I don't know if that's a that it doesn't get any or... more. It's not. A, it's not a revenge. I wouldn't call it revenge. I would say uh, return. A return return game. game. Sure. You know. Um. With that said, I'm I'm feeling the impulse to add Cincinnati to my best bets because I just think like this is one of those games like you got to make a statement, right? Like this is this is really For where you should. Though. Yeah. Oh man, this is going to be such an awesome game. Uh, what are you doing this Sunday? Because like I kind of feel compelled that like we should like stream one of these matchups. Um, I'm serious. We don't do we don't do enough live streaming as an organization. That's like the one thing that we we lack. I think like either Baltimore Seahawks, like one of these good matchups. You know, KC Miami, one of these good matchups. We need to to do a little stream for. So, yeah. um, I'm I'm deferring here though. I'm not going to add this to my best bets, but I do like the Bengals here. Yeah, uh, it's a tough game, man. It is a tough game. I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna go with the Cincinnati Bengals, but I can't I can't put in my best bets. It yeah. just makes me think like you know I am flipping actually. I'm gonna go with the Bills because the football gods. I think you have to. I think you have to reward them with a win. I mean, if the NFL is scripted, which I think that there's a decent chance that it may be, yeah. what better story than Demar Hamlin in this rematch game? They win, making you know, a big play or something. Win it for Demar. What? Yeah. What? what how's Lamar sounds. been? Or Lamar? Demar been doing this season? Do you know? Uh, he hardly plays. I think he's like on special teams. He's missed a few games. Got you. 
Um, Chargers at Jets. This one's tough. Like I, I almost want to say Jets with the points. I think Jets cover here. I because I think you have to, right? Like I know the Jets haven't done like an egregious amount of losing, but for whatever reason, it feels like like every matchup they just have to win. Like it's like crucial that they win. I'm putting Chargers in my best bet. Okay. Um, I hate myself for it, but I. You just look, I just look at Justin Herbert against Zach Wilson. You're telling me, and I get that the Jets have a better defense, but you're telling me that. I mean, just think about it. If they have an equal amount of possessions, Herbert's gonna he's gonna make he's gonna make stuff happen, and Zach Wilson rarely does. You know. Yeah. Plus, you're a mistake away from this game getting out of hand if you're the Jets. Like one pick, one fumble, and you might be if you're playing from behind the entire game, you have really not much of a chance. Yeah, no, that's just too much risk against a against a pretty solid team with a really good quarterback. I just can't. Um. Also, I I need to add a third bet in here just because I I would be annoyed if I won both of them. I'm gonna take the the over on uh this this Cowboys Eagles matchup. Okay, that's where I'm at with it. I think division rivals. Just like I like it. I'm I'm feeling a little bit more high scoring shootouty in that game than anything else. I think else. you just put a or, U for under. You take I did. Over under. I might be stupid. Well, I am, but um, anyways. I might be an idiot. Yeah. Um. All right. To wrap let's things rank up, up, let's, let's rank, rank them up. So Mark and I already. Um. By the way, these Lombardies are not going to the Eagles. It's just okay. We're we're doing this all over again, but we did talk through our rankings so that we're not like shuffling things around live we uh we there actually are some debate it. though but there's but ahead. i was gonna say there are some good debates um that we'll kind of bring up as we go down the list here at number one we have the eagles they currently i would say you know have worked out some of that that like you know slowness i guess that they were kind of starting the season with they they look back to the same form that they were um last year um so right now i think they're the best team in the nfl um and Here's where the debate has more so started. I was really pulling for Baltimore at two. Mark wasn't as big of a fan of that one. I just think this team is so dangerous with their offensive scheme at this point. I think Lamar with a decent run game, with a good offensive line, with the receiving threats, and then the fact that he actually has an offensive coordinator that complements his skill sets, um, they're, they look ridiculous right now. And I think that, um, that's going to be sustained through the rest of the season. That's my feeling on the Ravens. I just don't think I'm still not completely sold on them. That's why I think having them at two, are they one of the, are they a top four team without a doubt? Having them at two to me was a little high. I know the 49ers have lost three straight, but I still think I would have the 49ers ahead of them. Um, and I would argue to have the Jags. I have them as well. I, I've been very impressed with what I've seen from them. I trust them more. Um, I still don't think the Ravens can play from behind, John. They have not yet proven that. Lamar has not yet proven that, that he can truly play from behind. And luckily they haven't had to a whole bunch, but that one time they need it, which it will happen at some point. Hey, I mean, you might you might see it this week against the Seahawks with a you know rather high-powered offense and a pretty dang good defense too um, with – 
you know, a refurbished uh, Legion of Boom there to kind of lock down all of those receiving threats that, that Lamar has. So it could, it could be a very interesting game and a good test for this team. Um, at three, we got San Fran, like Mark said. I mean, I, I would probably be comfortable with them at two, but a three-game losing streak is a three-game losing streak. you got to snap that. Um, and crazy. honestly – You remember where we were in our first power rankings? We were like, no. This team's winning. We were talking Super about – we were like, this team's going to go undefeated. We were like, yeah. this team is unbeatable. Couple now you, and you lose Trent Williams and the whole and story Debo. changes pretty quick. And Debo. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we are definitely by no means out on the 49ers. I actually think we're being pretty generous to them to keep them at three here. Um, I'm still, you know, in the bucket that they're a Super Bowl favorite. I get some people have wavered on that take, but yeah, they're getting through a tough stretch right now. It's They don't have a super easy schedule. So don't forget that. Um, Jags, look, they have, I think, they're a little bit mistake prone on offense. They clean up those mistakes. This is one of the best teams in the league. I mean, they are scary. Um, Trevor Lawrence is, is really coming into his own. And uh, ETN, man, what a back. I mean, he's he's crushing it right now. So, and they got plenty of receiving talent to go around as well. It's one thing Urban Meyer did right with the Jags is draft Travis ETN. The one thing, maybe. Um and then we got Lions at five, and I get that some people might consider that high. Well, uh, this is a Detroit podcast, and so I don't think it sorry. is high though, John. I really don't. They're six and two with a favorable favorable schedule moving forward. Um, I think they're a top five team in the league. They had a bad loss at Baltimore, but they've 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 looked really really good in every other game. Um, yeah, I mean, and even that Seahawks loss, like you know, you're you're on the right side of that turnover battle. That's easily a win um so it's uh yeah i think they can beat anybody i yeah, i was the eye test if you watch them play like i i mean i there's not many there's not many teams in the league I'm, I'm worried about them not being able to beat like they match up pretty well with everyone because of what they do and again we're not even healthy and we're doing the things we're doing we're only going to get better that's 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 the scary thing for detroit i think we're, is we're only going to get better as people come back from the injuries yeah um, and that's i don't think that can be uh you know, uh, overstated. Like we are a very injured team right now, and we're going into a bye week six and two. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, Casey at six. Um, I just think they need to put it together more offensively. Um, and then you got Miami at seven. That might flip depending on how that matchup goes. Obviously, uh, what are you seeing? Any other room for debate here? I mean, we got Bengals. Cincinnati uh, could I? I would consider putting Cincinnati ahead of both. My but both the Chiefs and Miami just wait yeah the, the way they've been playing the past yeah. few weeks for sure you could maybe even make that argument for the Seahawks too I mean they've been playing damn good football so yeah the Seahawks Dallas could be higher uh, as well um, the Jets are where they belong at twelve Atlanta I, I would consider flipping Atlanta and the Browns at thirteen and fourteen putting the Browns at thirteen Falcons at fourteen I think the Chargers are where they belong right in the middle of the pack uh, followed by Titans, Steelers, Saints, Bucks, Rams, Texans, Vikings. That's your 16 through 22. And yeah. then your bottom tier teams. I don't think there's a ton of room to, for debate here. You got the Colts at 23, Commanders at 24, Giants, Patriots, Broncos, Raiders without their coach and GM, Cardinals at 29, Packers at 30, Bears at 31, and the Panthers still at the bottom of the list. John wanted to put green Bay at the very bottom. I wouldn't let him. Yeah. I just, I don't know the 
And the way they've been playing the past few weeks has been difficult to watch. And, uh, you know, one last thing to kind of end this this podcast on is uh, Gunta Kunst today sounded not super stoked on Jordan Love, to say the least. Not confident, at least. And I get that. Like you, But, like, at the same time, like, that's your guy that you drafted and, like, got rid of Aaron Rodgers to make the starter. Uh, the fact that you're kind of scratching your head on whether or not he's a long-term answer, like, that's that's a question you kind of hope uh, your GM answers confidently, and he did not. John, do you so. think Devontae and Aaron are like – I mean, I think Aaron's happy in New York, but uh, even with what happened. But do you think Devontae's like, ah, I should have – I never should have left? Uh, yeah, I think I think Devontae's has some regrets right now, um, to say the least. Um, also, Mark a few weeks ago said the anime isn't cool. goes pretty hard um and then not anime related uh the best person to probably ever wear a slenderman costume on the planet Wembiana. that's terrifying that's the scariest shit i've ever seen in my life john you know how i know you love halloween is because you sent me like a thousand different halloween costumes i love halloween stuff i love halloween. did you see miles garrett no what do you wear i think he was uh i want to say it was freddy krueger that's also scary. Or maybe Jason. I don't know. One of the two, but someone that big dressing, dressing that's, up is pretty. That's one of those horrifying. Yeah, he could I just mean, dress. He just wouldn't even have to wear a costume, and he's pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, the, I'm his Halloween decorations that he does. It's like he puts all the names of the quarterbacks that he sacked as tombstones in his yard. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. He actually did. That's did he do that? What not this year? I think I remember that though. Yeah, he did yeah, that last was, year. That's pretty he? badass. Look, I, I just think like Halloween just doesn't get enough credit for being a fun holiday. I think like it's it's one of the last few holidays we have less left that like I think everybody's just having a genuinely good time celebrating it. And I'm just yeah. trying to sustain that. I watched Beetlejuice for the first time um yesterday for Halloween. Pretty good for, for a movie made in 1988, uh Tim Burton's debut. Pretty good. I like. I watched it. Scream for the first time last week. Any good? Yeah. Sla- slasher slasher films are. Yeah, those older. It was like the older one too. So I was like, well, you know, we've obviously come a long way um, in the movie world, but the idea is there. It's iconic. Yeah, and sometimes it it's just fun watching. Movies. Yeah, exactly. Like a fun, like iconic uh, horror movie, rather than it being something scary. It's just like, okay, I appreciate the art form here. Anyways, um, that is a massive undertaking of an episode. Uh, thank you again for Jeremy Reisman for coming on. Um, I, I really loved that interview. I thought there was so much awesome, awesome, awesome like, insight. Um, I mean, he, he seriously has been like right in front of the evolution of the Detroit Lions from being as horrible as they were under the Patricia era to being the very lovable team that they are now. Um, it was just really cool hearing his perspective on that. And uh, yeah, man, NFL has been as exciting as ever. This has been one of my favorite seasons, I think, so far that I can remember, not just because of how the Lions are playing, but I just think there's a lot of awesome storylines, a lot of really good teams. I think both the NFC and the AFC. Yeah, and I was going to say, NFC and AFC, very tight from a competition perspective. So uh, really cool stuff. Um, Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you do not subscribe to us yet and you made it all the way to the end, what the hell were you doing the past two hours? Like, <laughs> Come on. Give us your flowers. Mid- hey, mid-season mania. Yeah. We're halfway leave there, a comment. People. 
like some shit, buy some merch. We launched a sick merch line last week. Yeah, there you go. Mark's got the perfect camera angle on it. The chair is definitely not in the way, casting a shadow on it. There we go. There we go. Good stuff. Um, so yeah, if you are a fan of any team in the NFC North, we do have a design for you in some very comfortable. You look just incredibly comfortable this episode. I do have to say, just in general, the I'm super comfortable. I'm wearing pajamas on my lower half, but I'm actually more comfortable in my upper half with this hoodie. I'm I'm glad to hear it. So um yeah, socials, subscribe merch all that good stuff um hang out with us we are here every week whether you like it or not so stick around uh thanks a ton guys we will see you next week Peace. see you guys